is good to be a gangster. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Headlong into Monsters, the ADHD of horror movie podcasts, where we ask the hard questions like, can vegetarians eat animal crackers? No, <laughs> that's much cleaner than the one you did last week. I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are your elderly emos. I am Raul, the monster slayer, coming at you from beautiful Tooele, Utah. And with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host from down in Arkansas way, Barely Ashley. Ashley, how the hell are you? I am holding up today. I'm like Frankenstein's monster. And they, like, electrocuted me just enough to get me to sit here and make it. Well, uh... is over here with some torches, like, trying to scare me. <laughs> We'll keep this episode running as long as your batteries hold out, I guess. Okay. Uh, on this podcast, we talk about horror movies and horror happenings. This is a spoiler podcast. And with that in mind, we do not cover movies within a year of their release. Hopefully that gives you listeners time to catch up with and watch the movies before we spoil the ever-living crap out of them. Anything older than a year is fair game. So grab your scuba gear, reload your spear gun, and join <laughs> us as we dive headlong into Monsters. This is episode 16, and today we'll be covering all three Creature from the Black Lagoon movies, which is The Creature from the Black Lagoon, Revenge of the Creature, and The Creature Walks Among Us. But before we get into that, Ashley, will you introduce our guest for the evening? I will. Uh, we have Mr. Retro Movie Geek, Mr. Horror Avenger, correct? Sure. Uh, Terror on the Tube. <laughs> The Gilman himself to cover the Gilman. We have Mr. Gilman Joel Robertson. Welcome. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be here. And I'm going to warn you both right now. Normally, I don't record on video. So A, I cannot promise I won't un, you know, sort of unconsciously pick my nose. B, <laughs> I do. I, ever since I have pictures like video or actually I guess it's Super 8 of me as a child, like two years old, I do this a lot. So I cannot, normally no one has to worry about it because all audio, but I'm just going to give you that warning right now. But other than those little warnings and that it's always possible my children will interrupt us at some point, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, well, you're we're happy fine. to have you. Like I do that too. That's why you'll see me looking down because I'm trying really hard not to fidget because my yeah. desk makes noise and it interrupts the whole podcast. Gotcha. See, I, I'm st I usually stand when I record the entire time. Oh my it's God. <laughs> It's a weird masochistic thing I have. Yeah. And so, I'd, so yeah, a lot of times I'll be, you know, the energy starts flowing. I'm sort of, sort of <laughs> if balance, I'm so. standing, I'm swaying back and forth. People cannot stand it. And Caroline makes fun of me because my leg shakes constantly. Mm -hmm. She'll sit there and shake her leg. She's like, who am I right now? And like start shaking her leg. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> can't help it. I have ADHD and anxiety. Me too. <laughs> I, know, I know that's shocking to learn. <laughs> well you're gonna fit in just fine here like i said we are the adhd of horror podcast although last episode was very off-brand for us we stayed on topic i know right I've done, that, I've done that a couple of times myself just a couple but yeah. <laughs> and somehow it was still over a two hour long episode so holy well, we had four movies that's true before we get into the the topic at hand i did want to shout out a little bit of listener feedback and when i say a little bit i mean we got very little listener feedback for that last episode i was uh, scouring like twitter and facebook and i'm like did everyone everyone kept saying like oh i can't wait to check it out blah 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 and i thought 
I remember that, but I could have sworn some other people were like, were, were commented about the episode, but I only found. To like, be fair, we are doing episodes back to back, and yes. that just released like six days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I took that into consideration, but still, we did get a little bit of listener feedback, and that's from our good friend uh, in the Maw Thanatos who runs a YouTube channel uh, about horror movie reviews. And he said, another great episode. I'm looking forward to popping my proverbial cherry with the universal monsters now. And I told him uh, better late than never. Yeah. Apparently he's a, it's a blind spot for quite a few people. You know, I'm, I'm not the only one, but I told him to get on it because I, I regret waiting as long as I did. So there's that. I tell you something shocking. Yes. I'm a little late to the party myself. When I was a kid, they, we had a horror host, Dr. Paul Bearer. And I know it must have been his show. I know I saw chunks of a lot of them. And there was a few that I had seen, you know, when I was younger. But it really wasn't until I started doing the Universal Monsters cast with Wolfman and Dave that I really kind of dove into like all the mummy sequel, like all of the sequels, like a lot of the core stuff mm-hmm. I had seen mm-hmm. and some of them multiple times. But the sequels and all the various there's still several of those i have yet to get to so you're not alone well all the movies we're going to be talking about today are first time watches for me yeah i'd never seen them before and i'm really excited to talk about that but um real quick what oh one more thing about him he messaged me and said he agreed with me on my take of the texas chainsaw massacre 2022 so shout out to you Uh, well, okay. <laughs> so, okay, I, okay. Full disclosure: I have not listened to your latest episode. <laughs> what was your take? I have to know. I know we're already doing it. I have to know because I know where I came down on it. And if I tell you, you're either going to love me or absolutely hate me and cut this thing short. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like it, but okay. it wasn't because of it wasn't because of the cinematography or the kills or anything, which I thought were really good. Like, I thought the characters were just too unbearable for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Raul? I loved it. I gave it a nine and a half out of ten. Bro, that's what I gave it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I gave it. I'm not going to lie. I could, and I, and it's, it was my, re- that was my, I wanted to give it a rating, like what I felt right after watching it. And it was a nine and a half for me, just purely for the madness and the insanity. As time has progressed, and probably if I watch it a couple more times, it will probably realistically drop for me. But my knee-jerk just reaction to that movie was nine and a half. And obviously, we don't want to go. This is not, We're going to turn this into another review of that movie. I promise anybody listening. But, okay. So so I get the vibe, actually. You're sort of in that middle ground that you didn't actually loathe it like some people did. Because a lot of people hated it. A lot. Yeah, I gave it a six out of ten. That's not horrible. That's not. No, that's yeah, not that's bad. Horrible. That's no. what I gave The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Twenty Twenty Two, and The Shining. Yeah, totally comparable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, we all have opinions, man. Uh, indeed. But you know what, though? After I watched that movie, the next day I was wet sanding my son's bike because I'm repainting it. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted something to put on in the background while I half pay attention to what's sure. going on. And I just rewatched the movie the next day. Yeah. So. And that's, and I feel like that's what it will be really good for that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was, it right was there great. with you, man. Love yeah. It, right man. there with you. 
Uh, real quick shout out uh, to uh, the Kill the Dead podcast hosts Devin Gray and Ash. They are awesome. And speaking of the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, they did recently a review episode where they covered that movie. Uh, I'm yet to listen to it just because I haven't had the time, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm sure I'm going to love the topic at hand. Um, so anyone who doesn't know, go ahead and check those guys out. They are freaking awesome. And if you guys will indulge me for just a second, <clears throat> this, uh, this episode between this episode and the one that we'll record after my anniversary falls between those two releases. And I wanted to give a quick shout out to my wonderful, amazing, beautiful, lovely wife, Morgan. And I, I wrote something for her that I would like to read because she listens to the podcast. I said, 10 years ago, I committed every part of my person to you and I have never regretted it. We've had our ups and downs and regardless of what has come our way, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wake up every morning with the goal to be the man you deserve to have next to you. You are my life, my world, and my best friend and the best thing that's ever happened to me 10 years in, and I love you more now than ever. I can't wait to spend the next 10 years together and more as we make our way through eternity. Happy anniversary, Amor. So. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> that's very cool. Thank you. Yes. A quick sappy little. Yeah, and I was trying to come up with something snarky to say, but I'm like, nah, I'm not doing it. This is all human emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I know a horror podcast isn't probably the best place oh, why to not? do that, but what maybe it, it's it is like, the best. Maybe it is the best. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's uh it's it's a platform that's very personal to me. So and I know she listens, so I'm what I love you. Happy anniversary. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on real quick to talk about what we've been ingesting horror-wise recently. Um, this is, Joel, this is just a section where we talk about anything, mm -hmm. any movies, TV shows, anything we've been ingesting horror-wise. Um, what have you been ingesting horror-wise, Senor Gilman? Well, actually, last night, the thing I watched last night, I would call it much more of a crime thriller, but it does have some horrific moments of violence in it and i'm still trying to percolate how i feel about it because there's one element that didn't work for me at all in the story it's called no exit and i don't know if you've heard of it it's a hulu i think it's one of those ones that hulu picked up and then calls it a hulu original you know um the only person that i recognized from it was i is it uh um he played uh i think it was a president palmer on 24 was that Palmer? Was that this, wasn't that the president's name in the first? Did anybody else watch Twenty Four? Am I the only? I've never, I've never seen Twenty Four okay. in my okay. life. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I will. I'm going to have to cheat and look it up. But I did watch that. It's basically the story of this young woman who is in drug rehab. She gets a call that her mother is in a hospital in Salt Lake, actually, and Ooh. I guess she's somewhere. I think she's somewhere in California, and so she gets a vehicle, sort of escapes the facility she's in, gets a vehicle and heads that direction. And while there, it a huge snowstorm kicks up, or rather on the way there, a huge snowstorm kicks up and she ends up stuck at this rest area with a few strangers. And very shortly thereafter discovers, and this is a mild spoiler if you're one of those people who doesn't want to know anything about anything, but it's sort of like the 
main inciting incident of the whole piece, which is there's a van outside and she happens to notice there's a little girl, 19 years old, that's bound and gagged in the back. So one of the people in the rest area is responsible. Oh. And so it's, it's, so it's that kind of movie. Um, and the, okay, hold on. I, I, I apologize in advance for all, if you're having to cut this out, I, had I, had, I, had I realized I would have had this all queued up, I tried to do all my homework at all times, but let me see here. I'm going to come on internet. You can work with me. Well, we also try to keep you on your toes. So yeah, that's true. No, I actually like that. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, it is. He's really the only one that I really recognize. Dennis ha Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert is the actor. He's got the voice. He's uh, I think he did all state commercials too. He's got that really deep. Oh yeah. yeah voice. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That guy. Yeah. And uh, he was in it. It stars Havana Rose Liu, I think is how you pronounce it. She's she was really good. And Nailed then Dale, it. what's that? Nailed it. Did I totally? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Dale Dickey, whose name probably might not be something you recognize, but she was in Hell or High Water. She had a small part, I think, in Iron Man Three, Winter's Bone, which is that early Jennifer Lawrence movie. Uh, she's in it. And so those are like really the two most recognizable people. But again, it it's not. I definitely classify it more as a thriller than a horror movie, but it does have some pretty decent levels of violence to it. Um, uh, Archive 81, which is on Netflix, was something I watched relatively recently. I don't know if you guys have seen anything about that, but it's about a young guy who uh, works uh, restoring old videotape. And so he's like obsessed with, I guess, getting VHS and, and whatnot. And he gets hired by this sort of enigmatic corporate guy to take these like small library of tapes that were obviously in a fire back in the 90s so as he fixes these tapes he starts watching them and they're all from like 1994 and the woman that was in these tapes that shot these tapes was making a documentary at the time about this weird uh, apartment building and all i'll say without giving anything away is it deals with a cult that's all i'm gonna say and it's wacky i loved it I've mostly heard good things from people that seem to, to, to like these kind of things. Uh, it's kind of got a, maybe a Twilight Zone type of vibe to it. Uh, so Archive 81, I think it's eight or ten episodes on uh, on Netflix. And it does take a minute to get going. Like I'd say probably by episode three or four is when I was like really into it. So give it a chance. By that point and onward, it's definitely worth uh, your time. Obviously, Texas Chainsaw 2022, as we've established. <laughs> That was, mm -hmm. that was the other thing. Um, and there was something else, and it's completely escaping me. Obviously, I've been mostly watching uh, Gilman movies <laughs> as of late. Um, I did watch, for Terror of the Two, we did one called Scream of the Wolf, uh, which, uh, I, which starred Peter Graves, and I had never heard of it. And it was written by Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend um, and wrote sort of the, the classic short story and the teleplay, I believe. If you remember Trilogy of Terror, the Zuni Fetish Doll, that, that final segment. If you've never seen that, you have to see that. It's amazing. Um, and uh, Dan Curtis, who directed that movie and did Dark Shadows and stuff like that, they made this movie together. And it, it is one of those movies where it may or may not be a werewolf movie. It was a made-for-TV movie from 72 or 74, I believe. Uh, so we did that for Terror of the Tube. So as of late, that's what I've been mostly watching. Damn, that's, a, that's quite a bit, man. Yeah. Um, I felt like I wasn't going to have enough. I'm like thinking, okay, what else? What else? <laughs> oh, and, and because I truly am a masochist, I am going to finish out The Walking Dead. I have never missed an episode since 2010, and it's, back, it's back on, and I'm like, mm, got to do it. 
at this point, I don't even know, you know, half the time, I don't know what's happening. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, they'll have a great episode. So I, I am going to stay locked in there. I am going to finish The Walking Dead. So yes, that as well. So I, I've seen, as far as The Walking Dead goes, I've seen all the episodes up to season seven. After okay. that, I kind of checked out and I'm just waiting for it to end and for all the seasons to be available on Netflix. And just rewind and, and just watch it. Yeah, and yeah. then I'm just going to binge all of it in like three weeks. So that's what, yeah. I, that's what my plan is. That makes sense. That makes that's sense. what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. I'm Actually, pretty sure the last Walking Dead episode I watched, like, it, it was on a Sunday, and, like, I recorded it to watch it on a Monday, and then Caroline was born, like, early that day. So it's oh. been, so it's been, it's been a, a few years then. Just it's a been few. about eight years. <laughs> but that was back when they were like, still on the farm. Yeah, I think I was going to be at the farm, yeah. I don't even remember. But did, did they get to the like, prison? Do you remember a prison? Yeah, I saw okay. that. Okay. Okay. And I saw a little, I don't know, here and there, like little bits after, but I read the comics. Oh, I love that graphic novel. It's so good. Yeah. I, I have not. I have not read it. They're really good. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Um, But yeah, she kind of interrupted that and she was unexpected. So I was like, I'm not going to get to watch that today. It was like the season finale or something. You know what the comic <laughs> has that the TV show doesn't have? What's that? A lot more kid killing. Yeah. They yeah. actually, they, they up their kid killing game. I will tell you that. Oh, as, really? it get, as it gets into later episodes, uh, although I feel like in the last couple, they've backed off on some of the gore. And I don't know if that's just because there were some of it they're shooting during all the COVID stuff. I don't know if that was the logic because it feels... Up until recently, it was feeling less gory to me. And then recent episodes, it improved that. But no, they, they have upped their kid-killing game. There are a few. And a few really, a couple that were pretty grizzly. Now, kid for me is like under 20. <laughs> so oh, I say kid. No. It could be like 15, 16. That's still very much a kid to me. So if you're talking about like a six-year-old. Now, there is a kid who's probably in that 10 to 11 range, I think, at one point. That may or may not get it. I can't confirm nor deny. For me, a kid-killing <laughs> is like... Is like 12 and under. Okay, there's at least one of those that I could think off the top of my head. And I, I remember in the comic, it's been so many years since I read the comic, but I remember in, when they get to the prison, there is two. Well, I'm, I'm not going to say what it is. I haven't watched a lot this week because we had an ice storm and it was just really weird and stressful. But uh, I did watch the entire The Woman in the House across the street from The Girl in the Window series limited series on netflix and it's really good and it's a is really that the whole title, title? Yes. yes yes it is <laughs> I, i'm glad you're saying that actually because i was on the fence i wasn't sure just based i was based on the title i was expecting like one of these not so well made uh zucker brothers type comedies which i love i love naked gun i love airplane i love those kind of movies but then when you start getting scary movie and scary movie two had some funny and then you start getting into the other ones and they cease to be funny and then you get into like date movie and all those other like really horrifically bad ones yeah. i thought it was gonna be like that based on just the title it's quirky but it's not like that at all okay they play say the title one more time <laughs> the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window Good lord. And I'm not going to give spoilers about it because it is very new. But I think it's worth checking out. And honestly, the ending of it, I really did not expect. Okay. Well, I'm going to be checking that out just because 
I love quirky titles like that. If anyone's ever heard of bands like I Set My Friends on Fire or This Is Not a Game of Who the Fuck Are You? Like, yeah. I just love quirky titles like that. So it actually, that you, you know what it is? It actually sounds like a title whenever Peter, you know, who's from Denmark, but he's lived in Sweden for 40 years, he'll tell us a Swedish title of some horror movie and then he'll do the translation. And that's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> it sounds like the translation that Peter would give us. Yeah, I, I am down. I'll be checking. It that does out. sound kind of like an under oath song, like from their earlier albums. They would just mm -hmm. like have a song that's totally not about. Ugh, there was, hold on a second. I have to find this. There was like a lot of like under oath and Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, kind of had like similar, like really long, obscure song titles. Like, um, I was uh, Fallout Boy had a, a little less sixteen candles, a little more touch me. Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of that. Yeah. But the movie, it's not a movie. It's a show. But it's actually um, really good. Well, I'll, be, I'll be checking that out sometime at some point with my oodles and oodles of free time. But I'll, be, I'll, I'll try and fit that in somewhere. Um, I have been... Well, after all the Gilman movies, I was like, man, I need to kind of purge my, like, get back into, like, somewhat modern trashy horror. Um, so I watched Mimic, the Guillermo del Toro movie. Oh, I love that movie so much. Yeah. Oh, oh man. So, have, like, you seen, that, have you seen two and three? I have not. but Which two, they're not I, him. Yeah. No, yeah. But both two and three are on Hulu. I'm going to be watching yep. them this Watch weekend. Them. Yeah. Uh, I've never yeah. seen them, but I will be watching them this weekend. Yeah, they're much more lower budget. It's not Guillermo del Toro. He's not involved with them. I don't even think it's like any maybe producer, but I don't even think in that capacity. But I think it's the third one that takes almost like a rear window vibe. Like it's very low, but it's much more low budget. It feels almost like more like an indie film. Uh, yeah, they're cool. They're all kind of different in their own way, but I like all of them. Awesome. I'll be checking that out. Um, but as, uh, as, as most of the readers know, I like to read, and I did finish uh, Genital Grinder by <laughs> Ryan Harding. Uh, and it's kind of an anthology in the same way that um, that Trick or Treat is an anthology. Uh, it, it's not isolated individual stories that we kind of go through, but uh, a shared universe where all these things exist at the same time or happening around each other. And throughout the book, we experience a story of this guy, of these two guys who are making a snuff film, or um, I don't know, these guys with a really obscure art project and, and whatnot. It's, it's a really awful book with lots of grotesquities in it. But I will say that the majority of the major story re revolves around the two guys making a snuff film. And these two guys, um, if, if the Three Stooges were X-rated for explicit sex and gore, it would be those two guys because they are bumbling idiots. And honestly, they, they, are, they are really funny in the worst way. So there's that. Um, I am not sold. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you're. I don't think I've really convinced you on any of my books. No. 
Um, but I also read another anthology called Try the New Candy by author Aaron Beauregard. And it's a it's a more traditional anthology where just um, kind of bookends these short stories. And I really wish I had read this before some of his other works. This is his first uh, anthology and one of his first um, published works because this uh, kind of has the origin stories of a number of characters that he has later gone on to uh, elaborate on and give more flushed out stories to. Uh, really, really cool book. Again, lots of violence, lots of gore, lots of explicit sex and completely irre uh, irreverent and offensive up the ass. So if, if any of that sounds intriguing to anyone, try, uh, you know, give, Gen Genital Grinder by Ryan Harding and Try the New Candy by Aaron Beauregard, a gander, and you'll probably regret it. I'm sorry. Well, and I would say, if anything uh, is going to be offensive, you want it to be up the ass. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. I mean, literally, yes, offensive up the literal ass. It is. There's a lot of things that go there. Okay. Okay. Not, not all organic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I bought I bought Caroline a few of the re-release of the uh, original Goosebumps books. Oh, cool. She was happy. Damn it, I dropped it. my goldfish. <laughs> take it in a more wholesome direction. Yeah. yeah. Like she's really started every week they go to library at school and she picks out a spooky book now. So she's really starting to like come into that like dark side. It's a good age really for that. Good. It was only a matter of time, <laughs> especially considering, you know, who her mother is. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought for a while there that she was switched at birth, but she's starting to come around. Are you kidding me? She looks exactly like you. <laughs> yeah, she does. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, friendos, now that we got that all out of the way. Um, oh, real quick. My current book that I'm reading is called uh, Wedding Day Massacre by Air also Aaron Beauregard. Oh, and I have it over here. I would probably watch a movie titled. Yeah, Wedding I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was thinking, thinking kind of like Wreck. Is it like Wreck 3? Was that the one at the, was it Wreck 3, the one where they did the wedding? I think it was Wreck 3. I don't remember. Yeah. That. Let me see it. Say something so you're like your your image is larger. Uh, hello, hello, hello. There you go. Oh, I like the cover. That's cool. Very gruesome. Oh. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. cool. We'll see how that one is. If it's not grotesque with explicit sex, I may try it out. Oh, if it's not if it's not offensive, up the proverbial ass. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm barely like uh, fifteen percent through the book. And it's already pretty offensive, although not a lot of explicit gore yet, but lots of sexual references. Lots of them. Yeah, I just don't like that. That's like a Rob Zombie thing. Oh, it's way better than Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think I just heard he's going to be actually making that into a movie. So no, I'm just kidding. Damn it. <laughs> Ashley looked, Ashley looked oh, up. Like Ashley just looks up like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no. So, so ready, funny, quick story. Rob Zombie, uh, I think I've made 
no bones about it. I actually like him way more than I liked any of his movies, mainly because I barely can ever get through them. But and not because I'm like offended or like upset. I just I just it annoys me on such a profound level. Mm-hmm. The one movie of his I've sat through and I had multiple friends of mine recommend, and I know it's like probably the least favorite of most Rob Zombie fans, and that's Lords of Salem. I loved it. I don't know why I loved it. I just loved it. You're like, okay, good. I see a point there. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good, especially yeah. seeing uh, Sherry Moon Zombie play not her typical role. I yeah, and I like, and that's the thing is, I because again, because I haven't seen. I mean, I've seen his original Halloween remake, and although it took me forever to get through it, I would start it, walk away, angry. <laughs> I would come back. Um, I've only seen clips from part two because of the white horse. I just I'm like I can't even do this. Um, Devil's Rejects. I started and it just it was so dumb to me. I just I couldn't get into it. So I uh, most of his movies I've never even finished. But Lords of Salem, I watch. I think I, I had concluded. I wonder if it's because that's closer to the area he's actually from, so he knows that world better. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like all the other stuff, it's like his filtered view of what he stereotypically believes all Southerners are like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it feels like. And it's not like, yeah. I'm oh, I'm, I'm from the South. There's no, that's not the issue. The issue is it's just stupid. Like, it's not, well, yeah. like the, the dialogue's horrible. And, and I know there's some people that love him. And if you're listening, I apologize if he's your guy. I like him. I just, his movies don't do it as much yeah. for me. But they're, Lords of Salem, love. Yeah, Lords of Salem, I absolutely love. Yeah, I like, I like his Halloween the original the second one is hot garbage um yeah. I, I love wow that's a phrase i haven't said on the podcast in quite a long time hot <laughs> garbage um <laughs> but uh man that just shows like how like the quality of movies we've been covering we got to cover some real shit movies soon so i can start <laughs> saying hot garbage again but uh <laughs> we are doing an adhd moment right now oh my gosh i'm so sorry anyway oh, to be fair i started it if we're being honest. <laughs> Damn it, Joel. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get into the movies proper. So the first movie we're going to review is The Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I'm going to go ahead and give the synopsis as soon as I stop stalling for time. Since you're stalling for time, um, on this day in 1987, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors dropped. Oh, Very that's cool. awesome. That is cool. I yes. love that. Okay, so The Creature from the Black Lagoon, released 1954, rated G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, a strange prehistoric beast lurks in the depths of the Amazon jungle. A group of scientists try to capture the animal and bring it back to civilization for study because science. <laughs> <laughs> Are they crazy or are they just scientists? Well, one was an asshole. Yeah, Mark was really kind of a dillweed. Yeah, he really was. All right. Yeah. Who wants to start us off here? Because I've got a rant and I don't. Okay, want to okay. I, I'll I'll go first, only to say this. So I want to I want to clear up a, a maybe a misconception about me because since I have the Gilman moniker, I think the assumption would be that. I am obsessed with all things Gilman, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, it'd be my favorite movie of all time, et cetera, et cetera. It is not my favorite movie of all time. I love it. I would say it is probably my overall favorite Universal movie, mm-hmm. uh, monster movie specifically. Um, 
But that name was given to me by uh, the one and only Jay of the Dead, if memory serves, when I think I made my first appearance on his, when he was on HMP. So I feel like I sort of got, because, you know, he always felt the need to like give somebody some kind of moniker, which I was totally honored to get. And it does make sense considering I live very close to a, a swamp. Yep. But <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure, because I feel like there might be the, when you guys invited me on to do this, I was like, ooh, I'm hoping they don't think I'm some kind of Gilman expert. Like I've seen the movie a few times. I even seen it on the big screen. So, uh, which cool. we can get into. But, uh, but yeah, so I want to I make sure we're clear on that on the front end. No, you are the encyclopedia of Gilman. Oh, I yes, this is going to be very, very, very short. <laughs> That's what she said. Encyclopedia, exactly what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew that. I think it just fell this way because, like, we invited you on, and then this month we were doing Universal anyway, so it was like. I think it just weirdly fell that you would be on the Gilman episode. It does make sense. I know. I get it. I totally get it. I just, it occurred to me like after I accepted, I was like, I even threw, I, I don't know, Raul, did you catch that? What was the thing? I think it was the blob when you were on uh, yeah. Retro Movie Geek. And you're like, I've never seen the blob from 88. I'm like, I love that movie so much. Maybe they'll change it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told Ashley about that in the last episode and I was like, no dice. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I love, I do love, I love the first one, um, and we'll get into the sequels because I have different feelings about different ones that I don't want to, you know, get into that just yet. But, uh, but yes, we'll. I love it. So it's not like I. I but I, I was thinking about. I watched a documentary. Actually, I'll, I'll show it to you guys. I, I think it was two Christmases ago. My wife got me this. I don't know if you could see it or not. Oh yeah. 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 So it's it's great because it's it was done at a something called it's called Creature Feature Sixty Years of the Gill Man. Um, so obviously it wasn't 54. So this would have been like mid 2000s ish, somewhere in there. Um, and it, it's got a bunch of extras on it and it had uh, Ben Chapman when he was still alive, who was of course the original Gilman on land. And mm -hmm. he, it, it was all done at something called creature fest, which is, was shot, which was done in Wakulla Springs. Um, I think it was the one from 2003 or 2004. And so this is a, a con that was out there. I actually looked right after watching this to see if they still did it. They apparently do not. So it probably, because most of the people, unfortunately, who were involved with this are gone now. Um, but uh, regardless, I, as I was watching this, I, I was thinking to myself, man, I, I really hope that they aren't expecting me to be like, the, there are people in this that are, they call themselves Gilman, and then like they have other names that go along with it, but they have like the these insane collections. Like these are obsessive, yeah. <laughs> obsessive fans. So. As long as we, uh, you guys get that uh, I'm like the poor man's gill man, we're good. <laughs> no, we're good. Like, like Ashley was saying, we, we were just planning to do Universal Horror this month, and we've been wanting to have you on the show for a while, especially Perfect. after I, you and I were uh, on Father and Son talking yeah. Halloween, Halloween Lives, Halloween Kills. So yep. um, I was like, man, it's going to be an interesting uh, thing having the gill man talking about the gill man, <laughs> but let's do it. All right. We're here. <laughs> Uh, so I, I'm going to start off by saying this was, I'm sure you guys have seen this, but this was a first time watch for me. And I was honestly blown away by how good the effects were and how crystal clear everything looked, um, underneath the water. I was, mm -hmm. I was freaking blown away. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was really good for the time. I and mean, the suit was like amazing. That was like. One of the best special effects. Now, do you guys know who designed 
the creature? Because I, I, I don't, I don't want to like begin this by mansplaining everyone. So if you do know something, just tell me to shut up. Um, but uh, uh, Millicent Patrick, does that name ring a bell for anybody? Hell no. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Millicent Patrick was actually the designer of the Gilman suit. Uh, Be- Bud Westmore, who was her boss, took all the credit, <laughs> as I understand. Uh, the fact there was a book written, and I, the t- title is escaping me, but somebody uh, within the last year or two wrote a uh, biography about Millicent Patrick and about her work on this and in Hollywood, because she was actually this very beautiful woman. I think she had like a modeling career. Uh, if you look up pictures of her as she's designing it, it's almost like it looks staged because she's so beautiful. Like it's, it, it doesn't look, it doesn't fit. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. and so, so she did the the design work. And now I can't remember. There was another guy on the crew that was the one who actually sculpted it, built it, and did all that. He also. Didn't get any credit, <laughs> from what I understand, because apparently Bud Westmore uh, was a bit of a credit whore and took credit for a lot of the stuff. So yeah. I, I always feel like, though, uh, Millicent Patrick deserves her uh, her kudos for uh, for designing the creature, because apparently she she did hundreds and hundreds of sketches uh, for this particular particular thing. So yeah, I agree with you 100%, Raul. The, the effect of the creature, just even like that one shot towards the end when he's walking towards Kay and the gills... Are going in and out, which is probably just like a very basic bladder effect, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, or something like that. It looks so good. Like, it, I think the, the Guild Man's outfit in this is just really w- well done. And then the underwater stuff, because you got to imagine uh, Rico Browning, who was the Guild Man underwater, he, the weight of that thing had to be incredible. Because, yeah. from what I understand, they actually need picked him because he was a swimmer and he could hold his breath for like three or four minutes, I think, in a pop. And so, because they didn't want to have any gear on him, and so they would have him just be, you know, underwater for three, four minutes, and they would get all the shots of him watching and, and looking. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a tremendous effort when you consider the time uh, and the limitations <laughs> of the technology. Yeah, I think that he also almost drowned. Yes, and because he's in all three. Yeah, actually, if you want to be fair, because Ben Chapman rightfully so gets the most credit for being the go man because he's the one mm-hmm. on land and he's he's like he was like six six I think, and the uh, the Rico Browning though underwater was in all three movies. I can't remember did he almost drown in one and two. There was like I think at least once or twice that he drowned. He almost drowned, um, and like one of the stunt women that he was with too, almost. Mm-hmm drowned briefly so i don't remember i think i do remember this one because like they did not want any bubbles coming up because they thought it wouldn't be realistic yeah yeah and so like he literally could not breathe whatsoever yeah and in this the second and third they were like uh fuck it i don't care anymore (laughs) you can breathe if you want there was bubbles and everything but in this one they were just like very strongly no bubbles yes so I know that this one, there was almost an incident. (laughs) So my wife watched the last, I think, 15 minutes of this movie with me. And she was amazed at how good everything looked underneath. And the long shots of the creature underwater. And she's like, how is that guy breathing? Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He's just holding I, his I, breath. Yeah, yeah. He's literally and not I, breathing. <laughs> and I, I looked at her. I'm like, I have no idea. This is amazing. She's like, yeah. I wonder if they just got someone that could hold their breath for like. That's ever. what they did. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. So I have a special connection to this movie. 
uh, via Julie Adams because she grew up in Mississippi County, Arkansas, specifically Blytheville, Arkansas, where I'm from. So it was always a big deal there that she was from there and grew up there. And like she came back in 2013 because she had wrote a memoir called The Lucky Southern Star Reflections from the Black Lagoon. So she came back to this tiny rundown town of Blyville, Arkansas and signed some books. And I have a, a signed copy of that book. Awesome. So like it's always been like a weird like, oh, we're from the same place. So I feel very mm -hmm. connected to this movie. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, the uh, I actually you can't see it because I, I can move the whole computer, but I actually have an autograph of her and Rico Browning together on the other wall. And the um, my personal connection to this movie as well is isn't as like personal as yours. But Wakulla Springs, which is where they shot all the lagoon, the majority of the lagoon stuff, is maybe twenty minutes south of Tallahassee. And so I've actually never been there but my my sister and my mom's actually about to move up there my sister lives in Tallahassee so we've actually talked about because the boys have seen all my all three of my sons have seen these movies I love them so we've actually talked about like while we're up there next time going down and seeing because apparently they'll still take you on tours and, and let you look around that. yeah 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 that'd be cool yeah that's I drove literally cool. 13 hours to go look at the cemetery that they filmed Night of the Living Dead in. That's awesome. So you See, can I would do make that, it like 30 minutes away or whatever. Well, it's, not, it's 30 minutes once we get to Tallahassee. So that's oh, five hours away. Yeah, yeah. Five yeah, hours. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, so we'll already be there. Uh, and so then we'll do it. Hey, I, I dragged my kids while we were in Washington, D.C. in 2016. I dragged them uh, by foot and didn't remotely realize how far away it was. So we walked miles to the Georgetown area so I could take them to the stairs from the exorcist. So I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I get it. <laughs> I, I have, I'm probably going to be going back to Virginia sometime this uh, year. Yeah. And I have a, I have a goal to go to just drive to wherever the hell those steps are from. Oh dude, it's awesome. And it, you could totally see how somebody would break their neck on them. And what's neat is the house is right there too, but it's not in front of the stairs. Obviously you could see how they, you know, through movie magic made it seem like it was like right behind the house, but the, and it still has a similar vibe. And, and then the bar uh, where father Karras and I'm uh, brain for the, uh, Cobb is the actor. I'm brain farting on the, the cop that is his friend or whatever. The bar that they talk at is uh, like right down the road, like right there. So you'll, you'll be able to hit multiple locations. I want I want to take a picture of me like laying down on my face at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my, like my wife taking the picture from the top of the stairs. stairs oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. But that's just me. Uh, anyway, this movie uh, th this movie is about like uh, some scientists doing sciencey things once they discover fossilized remains of like a humanoid or a half human, half fish, giant ass hand, and they're trying to find the remains of it. And they're digging, they're digging, they're digging. They have like this this uh, group of people that's uh, excavating this area where they found the remains and they can't find anything, so they decide to go further down the the river in the Amazon forest rainforest. Uh, where runoff would have like deposited remains of the of I guess the riverway down into a lagoon, the titular Black Lagoon. So they head there and they encounter the creature, and things go awry because uh, immediately after finding the creature, one of the guys is like, "We need to take it back. Everything else is hot garbage. The only thing that matters is bringing the creature. It's the most." 
it's the greatest scientific find of the of the century blah 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 and the other one's like yeah but aren't you kind of a douche though (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone's very aware that mike is a dick Mm -hmm. oh he's he's trying to steal trouble yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he's trying to steal uh Kay away from yeah the other dude but can i just say as someone who sits or has sat on an institutional animal care and use committee what we call an eye hook none of this shit would fly (laughs) however it was pre it was pre-animal welfare act of 1966 so maybe it would have flown a little bit but now there's no way you're spreading this mysterious powder that will like knock out fish knock out fish (laughs) paralyze fish over uh probably a very well protected like environmental lagoon like that's not going to happen and they and they say as much they're like oh this is uh this creature uh developed this way because of its uh hard isolation blah 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 blah. let's fuck it up (laughs) there's no way like they probably would not even allow boats back there no well i think that i will i i usually always have to go to the it was the 50s and yeah. y- you know, and so, and they're in the Amazon, which probably was. I'm not saying by the 50s, you know, people obviously were aware of it and everything, but I just I kind of feel like the level of regulation and oversight in that regard, I will give it the pass to assume. Now, if you remake it now, that there's always talk of them remaking it. I yeah. definitely agree with you. This would have to probably go into the arena of less them being scientists and more being like almost like mercenaries that are trying to just, they don't care. They yeah. screw the law. They're just trying to get the, the creature. Right. Well, I, was- so when, I, when I'm complaining about these guys bringing a bone using that knockout powder, I'm not saying like it's bad. I'm just more commenting of just how funny it is viewed through a modern lens. <laughs> it's it's absurd. Like I I don't know, maybe back then I would still feel like that was ridiculous. Is that even a thing? I mean regardless, is that a thing you can do without kill I feel like you're just killing them. I felt like they were just dropping poison bombs into the lagoon. I no, honestly you- thought that's what it was. Yeah, me too. For the longest There's time. I stuff that you can use to like do stuff with the nervous system of fish but i mean you still get movies much more modern movies than the creature from the black lagoon more or less doing the same shit like uh it's because uh, they don't have me there to consult (laughs) (laughs) you know you're like that you're like when you know somebody makes a movie and it's dealing with like you know cops or military or whatever and then they get like the real people there and they just start to nope nope never gonna <laughs> yeah. happen nope yeah. nope and uh, what about anaconda raul remember anaconda with j-lo mm-hmm. and john voigt like that's yeah. it has a similar vibe to me yeah you know they're, they're going down i think it actually isn't it the amazon specifically yes yeah yes, so, yeah. yeah so yeah well i was thinking of like the opening to uh arachnophobia where they oh yeah fumigate yeah. that big that's true tree. that's true um maybe you can do that to spiders because they're invertebrates i knew that's what you were gonna say (laughs) there's certain laws in place that protect vertebrate animals and invertebrate animals and species and most of the time if it's an invertebrate you basically just have to say i'm going to be using this specific species of animal and like just let us know that you're doing it Mm -hmm. but 
now I think that's probably going to change because this is, I'm so sorry, ADHD. <laughs> that's probably going to change because they recently did those studies with lobsters and they found out that they do feel pain when you oh. like cook them alive, of course. So now all of the species of animals that people just could like nonchalantly use for their research is probably mm. going to be way more protected. Well, yeah, yeah. I was gonna go. I was gonna say some more ADHD stuff, but I'm, I will restrain <laughs> myself. <laughs> I think I'm gonna start a blog where I take horror movies with scientists in them and explain like how this could possibly or could possibly not happen. I actually think that'd be pretty good. I think you yes. should. Yes, you probably just that focus on the decade of the '50s, and you'll never have you'll never run out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What if you did like a short form, a short form solo cast about that? That'd be freaking awesome. I'd subscribe to that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Like at work, my whole thing is like, I'll be like, I'll introduce people to the concept of reanimator. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is what I'm trying to get you not to be. <laughs> like, don't be you're a not dick. going to be the next Dr. Herbert West under yeah. my watch. Oh, I would good. love. We, we to need sit people in like you. Meetings. Yeah, you're like I, the Ian. Are you like Ian Malcolm? You know, so busy thinking that they they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that literally happens all the time. Yeah, not yeah. shocking. We talked about that in the last episode. I know. I always somehow bring it back around to that. Well, it's a it's a prevalent uh, theme in a lot of science based movies. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah um yeah. but as so uh, as the, as they're trying to capture the creature um they take uh i guess they they realize it's not going to go their way especially after like the the base camp that was on land gets riggedy wrecked <laughs> yeah yeah which i thought was great and they and of jaguars yeah and, and of course and of course the, the the working men that are helping they get decimated and people are like oh yeah that sucks let's yeah. go ahead and keep doing our thing <laughs> right yeah they're like oh that mm, we're yeah. fine though yeah yeah, yeah. we're the <laughs> main <laughs> characters <laughs> when we talk about mike was so like harpoon gun happy like all he wanted to do was shoot this thing oh yeah the richard denning character yeah. right the, yeah, yeah. He just, is he the boss? Wasn't he Kay's boss? Wasn't that the context? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It Did was... you get the feeling that the harpoon gun was kind of like an extension of his duke? <laughs> <laughs> they always talk about how that is the case with guns. So They did in Texas Chainsaw uh, 2022. We saw how that worked out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's very true. <laughs> Uh, do you want me to go on my rant now? Oh, yeah, please do. I've been waiting for that I, with bated breath. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my thing with this movie, which I would just preface with I love this movie. Okay. But the fundamental issue, I've, I wrote this down in a blog a long time ago. Like, the fundamental issue with this movie is that, once again, we have people encroaching on another creature's habitat. And as much as you want to be sympathetic to the laws of human life, you must be sympathetic to the species that is only acting out of instinct and protecting its territory. In this instance, humanity is the invasive species. So the creature 
was not the monster in this movie <laughs> in any way. And I wouldn't even go to say, like, we're trying to make the monster sympathetic. Like, he's not the monster at all. No, I agree. He's just doing what he's been doing for, well, I guess not him personally, but his species has been doing for millennia. And that is defending his home because he like the, this group of scientists come in. They realize that once he's there, he is a prize to be had at, at some point, And they even talk to Mark because Mark, like you were saying, he's gung ho about getting this creature. And uh, uh, David says, you sound less like a scientist and more like a big game hunter. Yep. And that's essentially yeah. what he becomes. It is, it's no longer about the scientific gain. He just wants this as a trophy. Yeah. He, yeah. The, the, the creature becomes something to, uh, I guess, uh, what, what, uh, up, uplift him just because he's the one that got it? It's oh, it's ego. Total ego. Money. Yeah. 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 Basically, the creature is just a way for them to make money because you see in the second one, they put him in an aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. So it all goes back to humanity is the actual monster here. Yes. And, and I, I 100% agree with you, Ashley. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is my overall favorite, because even though you could, because there's a few shots in this, obviously, for those of us that have seen decades and decades of horror movies we're probably not going to get scared by creature from the black lagoon though i will argue if a young enough kid probably saw this like on a big screen it might mm -hmm. freak him out a little bit but there's still shots in this where especially i think of the creature when he's in that cage on the boat and he's yeah. just sitting there motionless yeah. just you know the dead fish eyes just staring straight ahead it's really unsettling like it really has some unsettling moments to it like that but throughout the whole thing it's even though this creature is very dangerous the fact that he didn't do anything. He didn't ask for them to be there. He didn't, you know, he, in fact, if you think about it, yes, he does kill those two workers at the beginning mm -hmm. and it's somewhat unprovoked, but after that point, and you could make the argument because I think it was at night if memory serves and it's, uh, it's, it's not a hundred percent clear, like why he does that. I mean, it could just be that they were it, literally because they're camping out on land. It, it's territory. It, it's an animal, right? So it's going to be territorial. And then when you compound that with from then on, he actually is extremely passive. Like he does it up until the point Mark spears him. Yeah, he's he's not doing anything. He's just he's just checking out Kay, doing all those shots that obviously influenced Spielberg when he did Jaws because it was straight up like the under her. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. going through the water and. He's doing nothing wrong. And it's like throughout the rest of the movie, of even the characters that, I mean, you pretty much want him to kill Mark. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion. You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. please kill that guy. Yeah. But, but even yeah. David and Kay, who didn't, obviously is not doing anything wrong. And the captain of the ship, who's actually kind of secretly my favorite character, aside from the go man. Yeah, um, yeah I love the captain. But it's like none of them, quote unquote, deserve it, but they're all willing participants. You know, they got free will they showed up they decided to do it they're making a buck and and i will say that at least david and Kay are taking the approach of wait no we need we want to monitor this creature we want to study in its habitat but due to that pressure of mark and his ego and wanting to take the creature to back to the the wherever i guess they're in was it did they say they were in brazil was that where their particular facility was for this movie i, I, I think it was I, brazil i can't i can't remember yeah i think it was brazil uh and they and anyway my point being is i 100 percent agree with you i don't think it's a rant at all and i don't think there's a fan of this movie 
that would disagree with you. I think everybody has the same conclusion, which is the point. I think that really, whereas what I love about all the universal monsters, except for the invisible man, who's just a straight up psychopath and has like an insane body count when you figure out how many people that guy kills. Yeah. Um, aside from him, because he did it to himself, um, the all the other ones really are sort of like victims of the circumstances in a sense, right? They're victims yeah. of, you know, they, you know, Lawrence Talbot is going for a walk, gets bit. Frankenstein's monster didn't ask to be made. You know, I mean, they all have their thing. Dracula, you could make the argument, is, but even him, you know, because unless you get like deep into the backstory of that character, yeah. you know, there's still a tragic aspect to it. This one, though, to me, is the ultimate because straight up, if you just left him alone, like you could have yeah. probably gone swimming in the lagoon and he would have left you alone. Yeah, but no, you had to shoot him. him. You had to shoot him. Mm -hmm. For yeah. no reason. Just. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a dick. Mark is a dick, period. But once Mark makes yeah. the mistake of shooting the creature, the creature <laughs> is is no longer, like, he doesn't care about oh, no. observing anymore. He's like, ah, nah. these, these people are obviously a threat to my home, yeah. yep. and I will treat them as such. Yes, yep, yeah. all bets are off, yep. Yeah, and even goes as far as trapping them in the lagoon when they wise up and decide to get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. Um, he traps them in the lagoon so that they can't get away. And didn't he destroy the lifeboat? Like, I think yes. he, he shows intelligence, mm -hmm. which uh, the other thing I think that makes this, in, we'll get into, I'm sure if you, if you have problems with any of the sequels, uh, which I got a vibe from Ashley, maybe she felt that way about the second one, <laughs> but the, <laughs> and, and understandably so, but with each of these movies, especially where it all ends up, it's really an interesting arc that I don't really know offhand. Although, as I said, full disclosure, I have not seen like every Universal Monster sequel. I feel like this series, and maybe it's because there's only three of them, does that a really great job of almost like as the creature, in a sense, evolves throughout the series, humanity devolves. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It has that vibe. Yeah. Very much so. So I have... I have my feelings about the movies individually. And then I have my feelings about, I guess, the franchise as a whole. And we'll get into that. I, I can get into that towards uh, the end of our discussion here. But um, as far as just this movie goes, you know, the monster is very sympathetic. Um, he's, he's just a creature that wants to be left alone to his own devices and not really harm anyone. Mm -hmm. Um I think the acting was really good. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mark was kind of the, the, I guess the most cliche character of, uh, you know, going full Ahab on the creature, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think that was uh, fine for a plot device and, and whatnot at throwing some, uh, I don't know, just him losing his cool about just getting, what is the freaking word I'm looking for? Obsessed. Getting obsessed with the creature. I yeah. thought uh, it, it was really good. Uh, Joel, with you, my favorite character of the movie, well, besides the Gilman, is was the captain, especially when Mark is like, he tries to go all, I'm the captain now, you know, like. <laughs> oh, I was about to say, the scene where he, he, he goes, really? And he pulls that knife out. And just holds it just close <laughs> enough to Mark's throat. No, you're not the captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love I was like, I love that character. I was even happy yeah. to see him in part two. I love him. Love him. 
But it, like his character didn't like flip. It, no, it, a, a lot of other people would have been like, like would have turned from this joyous, very kind of crass talking individual yeah, to yes. a very stern face, yeah, like yeah. no nonsense kind of person. But he he keeps still, his joy. He's very yeah. he's a very like like very laid back, jolly kind of guy. And it's like even that is not going to shake yeah. him. Like, yeah. It's like, that's the difference, right? Mark has something to prove. He's, you know, a little man with a big budget and he has to use his spear gun as we've established for Freudian reasons. Whereas <laughs> the captain, the captain knows he's swinging. You know what I'm saying? He knows, he knows what's up. He doesn't yeah. care. He's not, he's like, Hey, I, what, what does he say? What's a comedy makes, which is, you know, probably not the most tasteful comment about his wife. They say, but, but something about his wife. She may not be pretty, but she's. Oh, that, you know. that's in the second one. That's in the second. Oh, it's one. the second one. Okay, sorry, I don't yeah. want to get ahead of myself. Sorry. <laughs> I, I laughed makes, at that comment also. Yeah, it was it was funny, but yeah. but at the same time, there's this sense like he is totally cool with his life. He loves being a captain of these ships, just going up and down the Amazon, mm-hmm. and he's got nothing to prove. And I just I don't I love that about because he's such a <laughs> he's a relatively small character uh, in the grand scheme of things, but I just love what he brings to the movie as a whole. Yes. I really think that he was needed to. So there's like typically always a mark within a research group. So much so that we have to like when we're writing proposals for research funding and there's more than one principal investigator, we have to write a plan to manage them because Jeez. And submit it with the proposal because there's always someone that's going to go rogue and cause problems. So we have to have a plan in place for when a mark shows up to ruin wow. the entire research. Wow. Ashley, just spitballing here. What if we did a month long, maybe not, maybe, maybe not even a month, but, but like an episode where we did um, <laughs> the theme of when science goes too far. Yeah. You need a month at least. <laughs> Cuz there's a, there's a lot a lot there. Right off the bat I'm thinking Hollow Man and Splice. <laughs> splice. <laughs> I'm surprised Hollow Man didn't get the bigger laugh. <laughs> I Splice, Splicer, BioShock just mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I I like Hollow Man. I like Hollow Man. I when was the last I time you saw it? Watching that movie. Uh, last year. Oh, really? Okay. All right. It's wait. Been I, like a very so long suck time. It, Joel. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in the theater, <laughs> and I think that was the last time I saw it. And I remember being, huh, interesting. <laughs> Am I Re- rewatch it? It's good. Okay. I thought I liked this movie from the what, year two thousand. Yeah. Hollow Man. Yeah, yeah, with Elizabeth Shue and Kevin Bacon, the Bacon's, mm-hmm. and it was it. Um, uh, 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 what's his name? The guy who did. Uh, showgirls and starship trooper Verhoeven, right wasn't it a Verhoeven movie um i have no idea you okay. are much smarter than i am sir but that's not smarts that is pure <laughs> because here's the problem you get past a certain year and like all of that information is like non-existent <laughs> in my head like but anything like pre-2000 i can usually nail it fairly well but after that yeah, he was the director Verhoeven, sure. yeah Freaking robocop now, robocop RoboCop is Verhoeven's masterpiece, but there you go. I've been wanting to rewatch RoboCop. Oh, dude, it holds up so. Here we go. ADHD kicking in. It holds up so well. That movie. 
Did I make Raul leave? Is he done? He's like, did I did I ADHD no. to the point? To <laughs> no, I had, to, I had to take a quick, I had to stand up real quick because if not, I'm going to fall in here with you in this ADHD pit. Hole. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Robocop back. was just so emotional for him. He can't. It was. Yeah. I okay. love Robocop. Shoot. When was the last time you watched that? When was the last time you watched that? Uh, maybe 12 years ago. Okay, great. Because now that you're an old, getting to be an older man like myself, you as an adult, a, a true adult, I feel like you is, you appreciate it on like such a different level. Like the, all the satire, all of the stuff in it is so much richer the older you are, I feel like. You know what I mean? I, like I think you just... I remember the, the, the Saturday morning cartoon show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is sort of ironic because <laughs> when you consider what that not movie a is. Kid's movie. At all. At all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway. Um, the movie. I have something to say. Go ahead, Ashley. Save it. <laughs> I, love the, I love the pronouncement. I have something to say. <laughs> I have an important announcement. Yeah. Um, this is just stupid. But the scene where she's idling in the water and he's looking up at her, like the you mentioned it earlier, is the reason why I don't go into water that I can't see my feet in so like i don't do lakes or rivers or things like that anymore mm -hmm. i don't do natural bodies of water past my shins period like i'm not doing that i, like, I li go ahead sorry ashley i'll say i i like i'll go down to like the panhandle of florida and i'll chill in that like emerald clear water but he's I like live no. in, I, I i live in florida Ashley. Okay. I live in the oh, middle yeah, of the state. So it's like, I, I'm Florida man. And all those articles, when you see the headline, it's usually talking about me or someone I'm related to. And when <laughs> I'm like an hour ish away from either direction of ocean and uh, we, still, we will go to the ocean, but I almost never go in the water. And I haven't since I was eight or nine and saw jaws. Uh, I and Jaws, and then a few years later, I saw Alligator, which then made it to where pools were really uncomfortable, especially at night without the light on. Uh, and then, yeah, so it's in lakes as they go, because around here, we straight up have gators. So, and, and, and we have, I mean, there was, a, we take our kids to walking to one area called Circle B, and there's a video, I'll, I'll send it to you guys later, that actually made like national news, because there was a gator so big. It looks like something out of Jurassic Park. It had to be 15 plus feet long. It is massive. It was just this. And we've, we've walked past this gator before. Usually he's in the water. You just see this hump. You just see this oh hump. Oh, my God. No. Yeah. It's crazy. No, it's thank like, you. We will occasionally have them show up in farm land around here. Yeah. They'll come up the Mississippi and oh, yeah. somehow end up here. But it's not like a normal thing. Oh yeah, it, it, it's insane. They, there's a lake, I think it's Lake Hancock, that when breeding season hits, there's a dock and you go out on it and you just see this massive lake and there's just hundreds of these heads floating. No freaking way. <laughs> just all around Gator you. Orgy, yeah. baby. Yep. Oh yeah. Gators more than sharks. Really? See, now gators, I feel like unless you like go out of your way to fall on them or like right in front of them, you're probably fine with a gator. I wouldn't go in the water with one. Because they're sneaky. That's what I'm afraid of, like being in a lake and that just maybe there's one there that you didn't know about and then it gets you and puts you in a death roll. Yeah, I did. I did hear uh, we went to a thing where this guy was like an expert on it. And he actually said, if you get attacked, if possible, with whatever free arm you have, shove your hand as deep down their throat 
as possible because then they'll just like throw, I guess they'll hit their gag reflex or something to that effect and they'll essentially throw you up. But Because you can't, once their mouths are, is it, yeah, you, if they're closed, you can keep it shut, but you can't, like, there's something about, I can't remember if it's you can't open them or you can't shut them. Maybe it's you can't open them. I think it's you can't open them. Like they're literally like next to impossible. So yeah, no. No, there's a there's a deep throat joke in there with that gag reflex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can shove your whole arm. Just yeah. <laughs> and see, like you can't even enjoy lakes and stuff there. <laughs> not really. And now to be to the fact that I've heard that's actually not the worst stories. The worst stories are when you hear about like the the amoebas or whatever they are that are, like yes. crawl up certain private things and like do th- horrible things to your body. Yeah. So no, we have not. those here in like the lakes that get because it gets super hot here Mm -hmm. so it's like in the summer if you're in a lake that's not filtered out or constantly running off they have those necrotizing fasciitis amoebas that will yeah build a lot of children here they like go up through your nose and yeah yeah they do really messed up stuff isn't that fun roll yeah no. Come to the come to the south. <laughs> I know, right? And we have brown recluse that will eat. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I was bit by one of those. It actually like my hand like really. It was like I think it, I I thought it was a brown recluse, but then I realized most brown recluse are under things, and it, hence the name. Um, but I was I think I was asleep at night, and I I had a headboard. This is an old house we lived. In. It was right on a canal, and I put my hand like behind me when I was sleeping. I guess I don't know if I bumped it or did something, but like a couple days, like I had like just this swollen and it started to create like a dance like it was damaged this is when i was much younger i was like my oh, late teens early 20s brown recluse, yes. yeah yeah it was pretty nice i think i still have a little bit of a scar yeah good stuff they're supposed to hide in my house they do not do that so <laughs> they're just out yeah. hanging out on various objects in my home at all times should we rate this movie sure <laughs> let's go for it i'm sorry he's like i'm scared now <laughs> Uh, I'm scared of spiders. I love spiders, actually. I'm not. I'm not scared of spiders. There's the, there the gator talk and all that freshwater bullshit. That <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not about. That. And I live on a lake too, although it's like a man-made lake, so it's not that big. But yeah, I wouldn't go in that water. I'm gonna go ahead and rate this movie first. <laughs> I'm gonna give this movie a solid nine out of ten fossilized fish hands. And I'm going to say bye. Ashley, what do you rate this movie? Um, 10 out of 10, Harpoon, Happy Scientist. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10, um, Mark overcompensating with his spear guns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just one last thing of trivia here. The original concept for the creature was model- modeled after the Oscar statue, and it looked too feminine, so they scrapped it. And, I, and again, I wonder if that's because with Millicent, uh, you, so say it. So it was that was the original design. Is that what you said? Yeah. So I, I wonder because they they said she did hundreds and hundreds of designs, and I'm wondering because even if you look at its eyes, the way they kind of sweet. If you think about like 50s style, you yeah. know what I mean, like that the eyes, the way they kind of come back has almost a very you know this kind of almost sensuous. Uh, don't make fun of me, Ralph. You know, kind of quality to the way it looks. Yeah. You know, I will say that in a few scenes, I was admiring the creature's, um, let's say, thighs. <laughs> I was like, yo, that creature is curvy. I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. 
He has absolutely no. <laughs> that creature's. Everyone's on limits for him. So I, I just so you both know, I'm try. I think you probably have to click the link. It gave me a uh, a link. If you click that, that is the gator that we've walked past. I don't know if you can see it in the chat. Oh hell no! Uh uh-uh. uh. Oh and, my god! And, and he's oh and and oh hold on, let me show you this image here. Uh, copy. Let me down. Let me hold on. Let's do, I don't want to. It's. I think it's going to try to take me to YouTube. I don't want hard, you to take me to YouTube. Hard pass on that bullshit. Yeah, because he's a uh, he's a big he's a big feller. Let's see here. This. Yeah, you're probably. Gonna, I don't know if this is good. Let me go. This one. Yeah, look at this one. No, he, he had, he, I didn't get a link <laughs> like that a time. freaking ancient. Yeah, he has another gator that's relatively large in his mouth. No, in the second link, you didn't see the link there, Ro? Oh, why oh, yeah, is oh, that damn. gator near you? Yeah, yeah, that's we actually go there like like for like Sunday walks, <laughs> and that that path he's crossing that his whole body is like not even covering. I would say, I mean, I'm over six feet tall. If I laid down my feet on one edge of that. I mean that that's at least eight, nine, ten, maybe ten, probably pushing ten feet, I think, across that walkway. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a big guy. He's very slow though. I mean, you would literally have to do like a, a co-ed and it's 80 slasher move, you know, where you, you know, yeah. you're you're kind of running and oh and you fall. Like you'd have to do that right in front of him, I think, <laughs> for him to get you. But uh yeah, I I you should send this picture into LOTC for their cannibal talk. Do I should. You know yeah. how well, old he is. Um, I think somebody was estimating twenty something years old, but I have to go back and find the article. I it, it's yeah. been a long. That's an old picture. Um, I think they said twenty something years old was the theory. It's actually an old reserve. Um, and there's some really large gators there because they haven't been hunted and they're, you know, so they've been able to, cause that yeah. gators used to be highly endangered, but then now they're like everywhere. <laughs> so they have like an actual hunting mm-hmm. season for them. But since that's like a like a private reserve that people can go out and just appreciate nature and there's no hunting. So these gators obviously have a chance to get a lot bigger. I'm terrified. <laughs> I just imagine gators to be very like, Rough yet slimy. Um, they are a little rough. I mean, they, they're really not slimy. My experience. I have pet. I, they brought them out. Usually, their mouths are taped up, and they'll let you touch them. Yeah, they're not slimy. It's like a snake. Like everybody thinks a snake is slimy. They're not. Ew. Slimy. No. <laughs> we have to move on. We, we have, have to. to move on. Ashley, <laughs> give us a synopsis for this movie. Uh, okay. Once again, creep. Sorry. Once again, humans will not leave well enough alone, yet they somehow manage to capture the creature and chaos ensues. That is my synopsis. Hmm. It's yep. not even really chaos ensues. It's so, just- so, so ratings or recommendations? Yep. <laughs> you know what? I, I really like this movie. It crucified me, if you will, but I like this movie more than the first one. What? Really? Did you really? Yeah, You're not messing I with did. me right now? No, I am not messing with you. I, re- I remember, <sighs> yeah. Because I remember you were messing with me when I was on your podcast and I was like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> used no, that, by the way. <laughs> I, I know I heard. But uh, but no, I'm not messing with you. I, I enjoyed this movie more than the more. first one. 
Yeah, because it has a little bit of that uh, stranger in a strange land scenario, which I always okay. like. Yeah. Um, it it I think it upped the ante by introducing more people mm-hmm. and putting the 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 creature in a situation where they try to confine him and, and 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 train him essentially, but they don't exactly know how to confine him or train him. So and, and everything they're doing, they're doing because of past successes with other creatures not knowing that this is an anomaly and the stuff that they're doing that they've done in the past isn't necessarily going to work or be successful. So I thought that entire aspect was really, really cool. Um, I also really liked the fact that what? So it just pissed me off. Did it? This whole movie pisses me off. Why? Because they are so mean to him. Yes. Because they're assholes. Yeah, they really, yeah, that that's fair. But just because they're assholes doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It means no, that's that that's assholes. also fair. That's also fair. Now, I, I think I, it's a bad movie. You do think it's a bad movie? You don't? I don't. Okay. Do Do you think it's better than the original? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No getting that out of the way. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. I have an even closer connection to this one. I have to say. Ooh. So where the the aquarium place that they take Gilman, it actually still exists. It's right near St. Augustine, and I've been there before. It's called Marine Land, and it's a legit place. Um, they mainly, I think, are known for doing something. They have, like, dolphins. I think they have a couple dolphins there. They don't have, like, a lot of stuff. That They have, like, fish and aquariums, and I think they try to do – I'm totally speaking out of school here, but I feel like they do something with, like, rehabbing some types of fish, and uh, they have – they have things that they do there. So what's neat about it, though, when you go is they actually take you into this underground area where they have memorabilia from this movie. And I believe that the anchor that was in the pool that Gilman is in is actually out in front. At least it used to be out in front of the actual building. It's still there. So they've got that. They have you know a bunch of different like things from it. It was also this movie. And then there's another movie called Zat, Z-A-A-T, that I think came out in the 70s that was also, I think, shot in the journal vicinity. It may have been something around there that deals with another kind of sea creature. Uh, but um, yeah, they, and I think they have something in there referencing, because I think you guys probably know this, but Clint Eastwood, this was his debut. I guess this is his screen debut was uh, being in this movie. Oh, so, yeah, I knew that. That was because yeah. he wasn't credited. Yeah, he went uncredited, but they so they have like a little thing to him. So it's kind of neat, like you know, you got this little place you can go to and see where they actually shot the, uh, the this movie. So I like that about it. I like this one is all pretty much other than the beginning when they go to get the creature. That you know, it's all Florida, so and it definitely has like a Florida vibe to it. I think the restaurant scenes towards the end were shot in Jacksonville, and that particular restaurant, according to the trivia I read, burned down in the '60s. But I guess they put something else there now. Wow. Um, but but yeah, I like I like the fact like when you see him like flip the car, like you yeah. you knew he was strong from the first movie because stuff some of the stuff yeah. he does with the boat, but like that you're like oh man, no he's really strong, <laughs> like he's crazy strong, yeah. which uh, does make you wonder like how he didn't just tear people limb from limb. But that aside, or but, how he didn't just break the chain, or the, yeah, how he didn't just break that. Good point. Uh, but it's also my my issue rewatching this movie. I've seen this one a couple times. My biggest issue with it is that. It feels a little in, weirdly redundant to the first movie, even though it's in a totally different place. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the creature isn't, even though he's kind of, I probably vi- you know visually on screen more, he doesn't feel as front and se- like it feels like the creature is always kind of present 
in, in the way Michael Myers is always present in Halloween, even when he's not remotely in the scene, but you know he's lurking. Yeah. Like that feeling, I never really get that feeling with this movie. Uh, I know the first film and the third writ film were written by the same guy. And it was Arthur, make sure I get his name right. Uh, Arthur A. Ross is the guy who wrote both the first one and the last one. And he did not write this one. He, let's see, that was Martin Berkeley that wrote this one. And I feel like that's probably the biggest issue with this movie for me is the script. Like, I just don't think mm -hmm. it's as strong or dealing with his interesting ideas and themes. If you choose to go a little deeper on it, it just, it feels very surface to me. I like John Agar as the male lead. I like Laurie Nelson. She's fine. Um, as a, uh, as the female lead, I, I guess just, but even like the guy who's, I guess, kind of supposed to be the Mark mm -hmm. character in a way he's sort of, forgettable <laughs> you know what i mean he's not as he's not as memorable even as that original guy so another thing that i really like about this is you it's weird that you were saying that it, it feels kind of like a derivative of the first movie uh i could not disagree more i feel like there's so many movies that feel so many sequels that feel just like a rehash of the sure. original movie like a texas chainsaw massacre 2 feels just like a complete retreading of the original movie and it works in its own right because they didn't take it as seriously as the first one. But I love this movie because in my opinion, it did not feel like a retread of the original movie. It felt very different. I mean, uh, right off the bat in the beginning when they finally cat when they not, I don't say finally because they do that within the first 15 minutes of the movie when they captured the creature, um, and they ship them off to, to Florida, they, just the entire change of setting and the fact that it, now it's not the creature that's in charge for the, the majority of the movie. Um, and he's the one on the inside looking, looking out. Um, when in the first movie, it was literally, he was the one that trapped the people. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was like, like really cool. I, I don't know why. I just thought that was really cool. And when he would look out of the window to the, the main a uh, female character i just kept thinking of that song by stone sour through the glass because i'm looking at you through the glass don't know how much time has passed but... oh ashley i don't like that band you don't like stone sour how dare you Stop. don't start talk don't start talking music or i'm gonna be like so useless to you that it, Corpse, you know. I love you. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Gilman and say I feel like this one is a little bit derivative of the first movie because first of all it starts out the exact same way. It's just like the beginning of the movie is like the first movie compacted into like the first like act of the film because they have to like drug him right and get him. Yeah on yes. the boat so that's yeah. what they're trying to do the first time so they come back and they basically do everything they wanted to do in the first movie but then they take him and put him on display in front of people and then that's where i start getting really really mad and agitated with the movie and it's not the movie actually the characters in the movie like i don't like that like i like i have a hard time even like taking caroline to zoos and stuff because i don't like like these wild animals just being captive and like I'm just sitting there staring at them and they're probably just like what the hell is going on why is this my life right now because the creature is very much like what the hell 
why can't you just leave me alone? You've taken me, you've put me in this weird fucking fish tank. People are staring at me all the damn time. I can't even hunt my own food. You're giving me food in this fucking crate. You're freaking electro shocking me, trying to get me to understand human words. Like, it's just totally like disrespecting this creature. I don't know. Just... Yeah, which, but I, I think, actually, to your point, because I actually agree with everything you said, I think that was the point, and that's also the point of the first film, right? Yeah, in yeah. this series, it's all about the hubris of these humans and how they think what they want, what they need, what they're interested in should completely supersede mm-hmm. the needs of this obviously somewhat sentient humanoid being i mean it's not like right. this is yeah if they want to rationalize it oh it's just a big fish and we're just studying this big fish like people think they go because it doesn't look like but this thing obviously may not be as evolved but it's humanoid and shows signs of being fairly intelligent so right. i i think that and when you consider all that and there there's this selfishness in them and even the good people quote unquote because they think they they have this need to study it to the mm-hmm. detriment, like almost to the point of like, well, yeah, it's almost like you think they would say like, yeah, if it dies, we'll just do an autopsy and we'll know, we'll learn from yeah. it that way. Like that's like very, almost as very flippant, which again, considering the time, I'm not saying there aren't still people like that now, but you know, considering the time, I think that that was a general attitude with a lot of people, but yeah. I think that, but as a result, that's probably on some level why, what helps these movies still hold up even now, because even more so, in the 21st century, I think a lot of people doesn't mean you have to be like, you know, straight up, you know, PETA, but you, yeah. but I think most people don't like the idea of just hurting an animal to learn something like that yeah. tends to bother most people. So, uh, yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think it is funny, Raul, you saying that you felt like it went in this totally different direction and that's what you love. Then you used Termi- uh, not Terminator 2, sorry, which did that as well. But Texas Chainsaw 2, which in my mind actually goes in like a totally nuts direction from that original movie. So maybe that's the problem here is that like our perceptions of both of those are so askew. Because I think to Ashley's point, that's what it is. It takes that first 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, it's fine. But I, especially if you watch them back to back, it does feel like... like yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got it. We've been here. And it feels like almost like they rushed through the first movie. And so now we're, the second movie is purely us just getting to see what would happen if Mark had won. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's what I liked. Like it, it feels like a continuation of a possible story yeah. that, that could have been, you know, brought to pass in, in the first movie. That's what I really liked about it. I, yeah. I don't know. I really, really enjoyed it. It's so, so the question really is then why do you support Mark? Why, why do you want to like support a guy like Mark? <laughs> why, why do you, why, like, is, yeah, if Mark was is, here, would you, would you platform Mark? Would you want to? <laughs> so look, look, some people uh, want to watch the world burn. Okay. I Mark, Mark, uh, maybe one of those people and you may be a fan. We're not judging you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, and anyone, anyone who listens to the show regularly knows that sometimes I love a bleak ending and sometimes it's cool to Me watch too. a movie where Me. the bad guy wins. Yes. So this movie is a, like, it, it feels like a, like a, I don't know, alternate universe where the bad guy won. Yeah. Okay. Although in, a, in a, adding to the bleakness of it, since Mark technically died, he didn't even get to see, fulfill his dream of removing this creature from its habitat and sticking it with an electric prod. Yeah. But, uh, 
which kind of makes me happy that he didn't get to do that. Yeah, I, I just, I don't hate this movie at all. Actually, I do like it. I just, it feels like a bit more of a slog for me as far as the storyline. And I, I mean, I love that it's kind of at this location that I could technically go to and kind of check out. I, I love the, like on a, like a purely selfish personal level, like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But as a, as a movie goes, I definitely prefer the first one. And we'll see how I feel about the third one. When we get there, I uh, also love how how much screen time the creature gets. I love how he's very engaging with him with uh, with everyone else with the surroundings. I love how he just rips uh, into these. I want to say they're almost like a rodeo clowns for SeaWorld. Like <laughs> <laughs> rodeo clowns. <laughs> That's a good point to think about. I mean, that. I I didn't I don't know what they're called, but they're like. When our main characters were in trouble, they jumped in. Yeah, so they got get... yeah, got clobbered. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're they're like the rodeo clowns of SeaWorld. It, yeah. it was hilarious. <laughs> but um, man, I I loved everything about it. Even after the creature goes free, and like when he, when he escapes, I love the chaos and pandemonium it causes. Like false sightings all over the place. Like everyone's yeah. on on mm-hmm. edge. I love I do that. like that part. Yeah, I like that part. Yes. Um, and then, uh, then when he finally makes a reappearance and kidnaps our, our main lead character again, loved it. Oh, and I, I feel did, like I that, that loved- actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause like, that's the other issue where, cause it doesn't really happen as much in the third film that there, we were back to the whole, like King Kong Fay Ray sort of vibe, like, you know, where he's like, he's, yeah. he, he's obsessed with another woman and like, that's his driving force. Whereas I think. And yeah, you know, I just let the cat out of the bag. I much prefer the third film, which is interesting because, uh, uh, spoiler alert, I thought I had seen it before. I don't think I ever did prior to this. So shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. So I will, I will <laughs> not edit that out. <laughs> Good. No, don't, no, that's fine. Um, but it, but because I think that's another thing that felt so familiar, right? Like I always felt like if the creature just purely, because I feel like that in that scenario, the creature would not be worried about her. Like he's like, I want to get home. He'd pull an yes. ET. That's all this thing wants to do. It does not want to get, it, it doesn't care about her or pulling a humanoids from the deep. No, he just wants to get home. And if they focused on that more, I think it would have been a stronger movie for me. Yes, it went a weird way when, although it went a weird way when he got out and like went straight for her and like some reason wanted her. But I do like the scenes where he's like peering into the windows. Yeah. Yes. Watching mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love when he kidnaps her from like that club or whatever the hell, maybe like a, like a bar or whatever that was. Um, the drummer of the oh, yeah, band he freezes the first one. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't freeze. If you notice, he keeps playing. He oh yeah. Every- his tempo. <laughs> And as a drummer, I can really appreciate that because sometimes <laughs> you just got to keep doing what you do. Was doing. it was it one of the musicians though? Does he kind of like he's like maybe it's one of the guys, maybe on like the bass or something? Somebody I felt like kind of does like a like a, like they're they don't know how to quite process. Maybe it is the drummer, but uh, but yeah, there's there's some funny reactions. I think that scene also was one. Actually, to your point earlier about somebody drowning, I think that one when he jumps her off the dock because oh. he had he had the stunt woman with him i think that's one where they both almost did and she was able to get out and then i guess somebody nearby that had nothing to do with the production apparently dove in and uh saved i think it was rico browning in the suit so oh my god yeah damn that's it was too heavy apparently it was so heavy from being waterlogged he couldn't get up oh dude that's got to be terrifying yeah 
Oh man. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, crucify me if you will. I preferred this one over the first one. And that's just how I feel about it. I am ready to rate it. If anyone, uh, if uh, you guys don't have anything Let's else do it. to say. Let's do it. Um, okay. Ashley, do you have something else to add though? I'll say it when I get my rating. Okay. Um, so I rated first last time. Joel, I will let you rate first this time. Okay. I'm going to give this one a 7.5 out of 10, which as my ratings go, that's actually not bad. So I know it's a co- compared to the 10 that I gave the first one, but I find it watchable. I've seen it uh, I feel like the third or fourth time. At least I've seen this. So um, I don't dislike it, but if given my choice between rewatching any in the series, this is one I would choose the least. So 7.5 out of 10, what? Uh, seven point. Oh, hold on. Let's see what kind of snarky thing I have on here. Uh, I was going to say seven point five out of ten Clint Eastwoods, but uh, yeah, yeah seven point five out of ten Clint Eastwoods. That's what a uh, Clint, Clint Eastwoods with a rat in his pocket. That's my. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, what do you got? Okay, so I gave this a nine out of ten because I loved the cinematography and. I still like just black and white movies in general just make me happy. But a 9 out of 10 creatures peering into windows. And I wrote in my notes a lot. What the fuck is wrong with you? Leave him alone. You deserve literally every bad thing that happens to you. To everyone in this movie. And I put, I have no sympathy for you, Helen. I do not care if this is 1955. You should know it's wrong to capture an animal and inflict distress and pain on it. Fuck you. Yeah, that that cattle <laughs> thing was really mean. It really was. And whoa, so they could what they say no? Is that or the stop? Yeah, it was stop. Stop. stop, stop. So that at the uh, end, just so at the end, which by the way, that's the other thing. Uh, the very end, that last shot, pretty much the exact same shot from the first film. It right? is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and uh, Ashley, would you say bye? Yes, I own it on a like the set that Universal put out with hey, me too. three of them together. Yeah, yeah, I, it was like two thousand four, I think, is when it came out. With I the so. I, I actually, I don't know if you can see it because I got it was when the the Van Helsing movie came out, and so they got I got oh my god, it came with cool. it was like two thousand four. It came with Dracula. Uh, for those listening, I'm sh- holding up a Dracula uh, bust, a small one that came with it. It was a Dracula. I got Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, but there was no Gilman. But it had all four movies yeah. in the yes. set, which was weird. Joel, would you say bye for this movie then? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I have all of them. So absolutely. Yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, let's move on to the last movie and our topic of discussion. Uh, Joel, would you, you haven't given us a synopsis yet, have you? I have not, and I uh, historically suck at these, so I'm pretty much just going to read the one off uh, MDBA. Do it. Do if that that's MDBA. okay with you. I'll do the MDBA. It's very short. That's what she said. That a scientist captured... <laughs> a scientist captured... I was, ca- I was oh, drinking at the time, so, so you beat me to it, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, had to, I, was like, I wasn't even looking at my uh, Zoom screen, so I didn't even get to see that you were doing that. All right. A scientist captures the creature and turns him into an air breather, only for him to escape and start killing, which, full disclosure, is literally like the last five minutes of the movie, but that's, you know, I'm sure we'll get and, to that. Yeah, and it's their fault. Again, this one, I'm going to lay all my cards on the table. This, to me, A, I thought I had seen, because I know I've seen 
clips of it in other things because there were shots in it I recalled. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, as the story progressed, either I saw it when I was super young or I just wanted to pay attention because I felt like I had never, when I rewatched it this time, I had never seen it before as far as I was concerned by the end of it. So uh, I will go, I will conclude that I've never in its entirety seen it before. That being said, it is a, in my opinion, super strong because it takes the ideas and it gets the same screenwriter as the first film. It takes a lot of the ideas from that first movie and continues on them on almost to like back to your point, Raul, about the second film. I feel like had this movie been the second film where they bring the creature back and this is what they do to him, that that would have been what would be needed to take it in this wacky direction that makes it feel very, very different than that first movie for me. So, uh, yeah, I love this movie. I, I really do. I think it's an interesting ideas. Uh, Arthur Ross, the guy who wrote both of them, actually in the interview in that documentary I was telling you guys about earlier, he said, in his opinion, there are essentially two types of stories, two ways to write the story. There is the one where the plot drives everything. And I think he was insinuating that was the second movie. The plot is sort of just driving all the characters to do their stuff. And then you have characters driving the story. And that's, I think really true in this movie. It's true very much in the first movie, but it's also true in this movie uh, because the humans in this, for the by and large, are like the worst. <laughs> they are the worst. They are the worst, and it's interesting because like you have like an issue of this, if nothing else, emotionally abusive husband, right? Who's way older than his wife. Um, she you'd think would be more sympathetic because she's obviously dealing with him and everything, but then on some level, she's she's probably the least sympathetic, in my opinion, of all the female yeah, <laughs> leads. Mm -hmm. I did not then like you have, her at all. Yeah, she's really not. I mean, you know, she's one of those where it almost feels like she probably married him because he was older and had lots of money. And she liked the prestige that would give her. Because I think she made a comment about would she get married when she was 17 or something? Yeah, uh, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And so uh, so there's that. Then the guy, uh, was it Jed? Played by Greg Palmer, who like assaults her. Like straight up assaults <laughs> he her. He just assaulted her. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm saying I was surprised. Like, this is a 1956 movie. I'm not saying that they didn't ever deal with that in any movies, but for this to be a sci-fi horror film from 1956, that is the third in a movie series that started just two years earlier, and it's dealing with these interesting ideas and themes with these characters and like the turmoil. And I, I go back to that comment I made about the devolving, like all of these people. Yes devolve into the point where by the end they're the ones who are acting murderous and they're the ones who are acting right. animalistic. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that this movie speaks a lot about abuse. You see various men hurling unwanted advances at a woman taking no for an answer while her husband becomes increasingly violent with her and then actually kills someone. Uh, yeah. And then you have a creature being experimented on and changed against his will and to me this movie has always been the saddest one of all i tweeted this out last night but like at the point that they get to the third movie like he just doesn't want to be alive anymore mm -hmm. so like after the repeated abuses of him by these humans and different humans every time so he has no reason to believe any human would be good like he just wants because there's a point in the movie where he, he wants to get back to his home. So he goes back in the water and he realizes he can't breathe in water now. 
Yeah. By the end of the movie, he's like, you know what? Even if I can't breathe in the water, I'm just going to go back there. Mm -hmm. So it was like, he doesn't care that he's going to die. Like, if I'm going to die anyway, I just want to die where I'm most comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. but Raul, I'd be interested to hear your take on this because this definitely, even though the first two movies, you see the creature floating to the bottom, we obviously know due to the fact that there's sequels that they continue on. This has the bleakest ending. <laughs> and I yes. loved it. Yeah, by far. By far. Oh. I, I love it because you don't see the creature like walking into the shoreline. No. You know, he, is, he escapes, goes, goes on a Bullet little holes in him. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. And he's wearing clothes. Yes. He's, hu- he's, he's basically as human he, as he could probably he, be. Yeah. He's, he's not the creature that we've seen in the past two movies. He's, uh, he's very humanoid to this point and he's wearing clothes he's got bullet holes in him he's bleeding and he's so defeated he has this look on his face like fuck it like he doesn't care anymore and he looks at the ocean with this longing depressed look and like ashley was saying if he can't live there then he's gonna die there because there's that's all he has left is the ocean yeah, because they make the point that during their operation, because you know, we didn't go to this. I would assume anybody listening to this has probably seen the movie or is at least familiar with it. But, you know, he gets when they try to capture him in the Everglades, because I like that. They do this like a direct continuation from the first movie, which is interesting because knowing Florida and how it's laid out, if he was in um, in the first movie, he was supposed to be the St. Augustine area because that's marine land. Mm-hmm. And if, if he then went to the Everglades, which are like South Florida, yeah. I I'd love to know how, like, by what, even in the 50s, even though the interstate system wasn't in play yet, I don't think, I-4 wasn't built yet, so that's, like, the main interstate that runs kind of at a certain point, I-75 and those. I just, I, I was trying to figure out, like, how would he have gotten there? Because he kind of got <laughs> shot in the first movie in the ocean, and I guess he could have, like, gone along the coast, <laughs> which presumes that he is kind of like a bull shark, right? That he can uh-huh. swim in both salt and fresh, because the lagoon, I was always assuming, was fresh. Yeah, uh, I felt like that was kind of established in the second movie because he swims out into the ocean. Yes. Which yeah. is salt water. Yes. So the fact that he could do that, um, I, I did find it interesting that they pick him up in the Everglades, but they burn him. And then that those injuries uh, cause them to do this surgery on him. And then they remove his gills because they've determined he has some lung type tissue. And as a result, when we end up at that end point in the movie, how he, yeah, you know, he can't survive that. I mean, they've yeah. made it to where, yeah, he probably still has his feet that act like flippers, but he's not going to have the capacity to go back into the ocean and swim all the way back <laughs> to, to the Amazon. That's not going to happen. So he yeah. is killing himself. That is how this movie ends. It's kind of amazing when you think about it for a 1956 Universal monster movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was on board. I was like, yes. And did you notice how immediately they vilified him by referring to him not as Gilman anymore? They just called him a devil. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I didn't notice that, but you're right. Yeah, they did start to call him that. Yep. And then the guy who commits the murder, as we mentioned, who's like the main abusive husband guy, uh, whose name is escaping me. I probably could be a little bit more professional than that. <laughs> Actually, mentioned the, the, <laughs> not the character on this podcast. Not a, Dr. William Barton, played by Jeff Morrow, who I think I did the math was about 20, 20 plus years older than uh, Lee Snowden, who played his wife, Marsha. Um, you are my wife, and you will conduct yourself that way. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my it, gosh. Yeah, here's a thought. If you're this, like, put, you're prone to jealousy, maybe don't take your wife who's 20 years younger than you on your expedition on the boat full of a bunch of dudes and then, like, get on her case. Yeah. And 
<laughs> Maybe yeah. just throw it out there. Uh, but he, <laughs> when he commits the murder against the guy who, it when now was it? Jed, it was Jed, right? Because Jed had assaulted her, and then later on, you almost get the vibe like the the main guy, the Doctor Barton. Is jealous, like almost thinks like this guy Jed has a shot with his wife, even though at this point she's been pretty much openly rejecting yeah, him. Right. And so he kills him and then pins the was basically trying to pin the murder yeah. on the creature. It's to me that also speaks a lot about the time period they were in, because if you think about what we were doing back then with people of color, that's what we were doing as white people. So I think they took a part of like what was happening in like civil rights movement and they put it in this movie in the form of the creature because he was the marginalized group in this movie. And like everything about it to me is like correlating with what was happening at the time with our civil rights issues. So everything you guys are talking about, like the themes of like uh, of the, of the minority and the the morality of of uh of people and groups and individuals and whatnot i agree with all of that what i didn't like in this movie was them taking the gill man and essentially turning him into frankenstein's monster yeah i i will counter your frankenstein's monster and ask have you ever seen the movie enemy mine with no. uh dennis quaid and Louis Gossett Jr. Do, Louis, look up a picture at some point of Enemy Mine and Louis Gossett Jr.'s alien from that. He plays Drac, uh, is the name of the, of the alien that Louis Gossett Jr. plays. And if you see the face of the alien, dude, it is straight up. Like, I don't know if they were inspired by this movie, but it looks very much like it looks it takes on that almost more like alien quality to me but i would say that the difference is i don't think he's frankenstein's monster in the sense that he is i guess he's he's almost like he's more intelligent and he seems more human than even that character does at least in those first couple movies that makes sense like i feel like frankenstein's monster the way he's depicted he's very simple and he's you know just uh He's almost more animalistic than this creature is. Mm-hmm. I would, at this I would point say in the series. first one, yeah, but I, I'd say they're they're at least kind of neck and neck when it comes to like the Bride of Frankenstein because he becomes very more or much more human in that so, movie. Go ahead, Ashley. This made me feel like. Have any of you seen or read To Kill a Mockingbird? Yes, yes the movie. Yes. So, like, you have the white woman claiming she's raped or whatever. Well, they the creature is like in his cage and there's the mountain lion that he killed and they're like see he is a bad person or because he did this to the mountain lion but what they don't realize is like he was actually like saving the sheep Mm -hmm. from the mountain lion so they're like i don't know it's like that's what you would do back then to marginalized groups you would take any like little bit of evidence you could find to vilify them and then Blame everything that you've done on that person to take all the fault off of you. I mean, so we see what... that we, we see that still today nowadays in in modern politics, whether it's the left or right, anything that they do is always perceived as confirmation bias. Yeah, confirmation bias is a is a heavy problem. Have you ever seen the movie Twelve Angry Men with Henry Fonda? I love that movie. Yes, I literally watched it yesterday with my kids. They had never seen it. They loved it, and I, I just I'm so proud of the fact that I've got three 
boys, one of which is about to be a teenager, the other two that are, that are actually willing to watch a two-hour-long black-and-white courtroom drama. Um, but really watch, like, I hadn't seen the movie in years, and that kind of is an, an element of what you're talking about, Ashley, because within that, those that don't know, you know, there are these 12 almost all white, I think there's the one immigrant who presumably, I don't know if he's supposed to be Italian, but you know, he's, he's an immigrant, but all the other guys are like, you know, they're the white uh, mm-hmm. men jurors and the guy that's on trial, the kid, he's like 18 years old. They never define what his eth- ethnicity is, but you know, he's not quote unquote, one of them because yeah. you have the Ed Bagley character who goes this on this rant about, you know, those people and what their kid, he does the whole thing. Yeah. And as it, as the whole movie progresses and uh, Lee J Cobb, that was the name I was looking for. Cause he's the one that also played the detective and exorcist. Okay. And Lee J Cobb is like the angriest of all of them. And as the movie goes on, as you guys know, if you've seen it, spoiler alert for 12 angry men, if you haven't seen it, what a, make sure I say that, but that, when they come to their conclusion by the end of it, Lee J. Cobb's character, who had been the angriest and felt the most justified in railroading this kid, it all turned out it was a bunch of stuff that he was dealing with yeah. with his own child. And, and the fact that he he was taking it through that prison, but they were all willing, except for Henry Fonda at first, to completely railroad this kid on what turned out to be crap evidence. And yeah, that happened then. It happens now. Um, I get to, I've get i been called up for jury duty on uh, Tuesday, actually, as we record this. Um, and I've been on juries before. And the last one I was on, I got to be the foreman. And there, luckily in that scenario, everybody that was in there, I think was all willing, because it was a drug-related case, they were all willing to really, truly consider the facts and the law and what was going on. But unfortunately, because I, I, I take the approach... It's you know innocent, <laughs> yeah. Until proven guilty, and if I would much rather, I'm I. Sorry if this comes across as bleeding heart. I would much rather someone who's guilty, if they can't prove the case, be let off than you put away anybody who's innocent. That's how I feel about it. Because like to me, that is literally the most horrifying thing aside from something happening to my kids. I could come up with is the idea of, like the Alfred Hitchcock scenario. You didn't do anything. You're accused of it, and because of the way the system's set up, you get screwed yeah. and generally yeah. it comes down to also money right i mean right. that's 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 the big thing too and a lot and especially then right a lot of people of color did not have those yeah. resources and that you know the the ultimate uh, I, I like to joke with uh, daryl and peter on occasion that the ultimate color of privilege is green because you got enough of that yeah you could, you could do anything you can yeah. do anything so, um, uh, but yeah, like to your point, what I love about this movie, I will bring it back, I promise. <laughs> what I love about this movie is that it has all of that under the surface mm-hmm. and that you could sense it, like, right? Like how you're able to say, well, you know, it feels like it's dealing with this issue or yeah. we can go back to like just dealing with the more, the, the science-based stuff of like the first film and their, their desire to, you know, do their uh their research and their investigation at the expense of this creature it's just got so much stuff to it and that for me is what the second movie even though it's kind of there it doesn't feel as rich as it does in this one yes so ashley um did did corpse watch this movie with you yeah um i have a question for corpse if if he can hear me he's got his headset on hold on i just scared him Joel has a question for you. Oh, okay. What up? Now, Corpse, uh, you watched uh, the, the, the third movie, 
the creature walks among us. Ah. Art, I, I can tell by some of the art on the wall that you're also an anime fan. Did you ever watch uh, Dragon Ball Z? <laughs> of course. Damn right. Um, tell me, I sent a link to these guys of M semi-perfect Cell. Cell in his second form. With his no nose and thick ass lips, tell me he doesn't I, I kind see of it. look like the creature. I see it. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I was seeing the entire time he was humanoid on the screen, and that kind of took me out of the movie. So I don't know, like the visual aesthetic, it, it, I didn't like it as much. I, I know it's such a dumb thing to get hung up on, but I didn't like the way the creature looked once they did some hands and. <laughs> like almost a human face sort of yeah i didn't like the way he looked i didn't like the way he acted and he was he like was super so bulky after that too yeah interesting note saying, it, he looked like frankenstein's monster well he, he yeah. interesting note the actor that played him in the third movie uh, on land rico browning still did the swimming stuff at the beginning um was i think they said the by far the biggest and he was like six nine I think they said six nine, yeah. six ten, something like that. So he was substantially larger. I think they wanted him to seem like this, you know, hulking mass. Now I will say, Roel, I'm going to push back because I actually love the look. I I still love the classic creature the best, but I feel like the second one is kind of like a dime store in some level kind of version meaning like the like the eyes, especially the the Gil yeah. Band's eyes in that second movie. It's almost like they put like these. You know the ones where uh, I guess back in the I feel like it's something from the fifties again. But when women would sunbathe and they had like those little yes. they, they probably still use it right those little like they're not goggles but those little cup things they put over their eyes. I feel like they laid those over the actor's eyes and then put the makeup over that. Like they had these protruding eyeballs and the creature in that first movie. The second, the third, oh, sorry, not the first movie, second movie. The third movie, his look is so different. But the story, because of how it goes in these the directions it goes in. I feel like it works. Like it doesn't bother me that he doesn't look like the Gill Man. By the because by the end we want he needs to look as human as possible so that when he's stumbling to his death, it really drives home the tragedy. And uh, by the way, I put up a picture uh, in yeah, our chat. That, oh, I, like I, I saw. Yeah, I, saw, I see like, that. Isn't too, it? Yeah. yeah, for real. So I wrote in my notes. <laughs> That toward the end of the movie, and I know whatever, what did we say? This is retrofitting. Uh, he's a total like Kane Hodder, Jason Voorhees character, smashing yes! through walls and just picking this dude up and throwing him off the balcony. Oh, that was I, great. Like, yeah. that would be in a Friday the 13th movie. Absolutely. It would, but I think that now drives home Raul's point about the second movie, which was if he's so strong, why did he just break the chain? We yeah. now get to see him go off the chain. And like when he, yeah. I, I, I literally was like going, dang, like he's like grabbing <laughs> chimneys and chucking them. Yes. And, he, and that stuff, and other than the guy when he throws over and did look a little bit like a dummy, most of the stuff he destroyed, like they, he grabs a couch and like chucks it. So he probably was made of balsa wood, but it didn't yeah. look like it. Like it still looked like it had enough weight to it that it all yeah. felt like he was just going to town on like he just yeah. throwing sofas out of his way chimneys destroying giant gates and fences which implies he could have done that at any point yeah mm -hmm. like was, when, when he when he escapes his enclosure and he just like rips apart that fencing oh go ahead i think to to that point maybe he could have the whole time but we have to look at it as the arc he just didn't know he needed to like he was really yeah. trying not to do that yeah 
And at, by the end of it, he's like, I cannot fucking take this another moment. Yeah. Well, and especially he, when he sees that this human who they're giving him a bunch of crap, right? Yeah. Has killed somebody. Right. Is pin- and I don't think, I'm not saying that the, the creature figured out this guy's trying to pin a murder on me. So now I'm angry. Yeah. But I think he could sense a dead body that's yeah. being chucked in there with him. And I think that up to that point, you got a sense like he was trying to, you know, was that old expression, get along to go along. Like he was trying to fit in. Like he was trying to, you know, mind his P's and Q's and, and then, mm-hmm. and, he, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter. In the end, they just saw him as this animal and yeah. they were going to crap all over him. And so he yeah. goes on a rampage. And I find that very satisfying. <laughs> well, there's, there's, that, there's that big philosophical talk about whether or not the creature is actually learning to be more human by um, because they're treating the, the, the creature with kindness, they say. So he's uh, reciprocating that kindness. Yes. Uh, and they, they get into a big philosophical talk about that. And then I think that cougar, because there's he, he the, the creature is obviously observing the humans, uh, the way they interact with each other, the way they talk around each other. He's obviously observing them. And then he sees this cougar jump into that pen and start attacking the animals in the pen. And he saves them from this cougar. Right. And he from from his initial transformation into more of a human based creature. That's his first encounter with death was the natural order of, of, you know, carnivore and prey. So, but he, he, he found that, I guess he found that unnatural in his new state of thinking. And that's why he killed the cougar because he wanted to, to protect the other animals. But then when he sees this guy um, kill the, the, the other dude, uh, the way I took it is that these, to him, these higher life forms, these creatures that he is now aspiring to become are no better than this wild animal. Why? What's the point? And I think that's yeah. what threw him into a rage. That's, that's, that's how I took it. No, I like that. And I think, yeah, I mean, I have nothing to add. I think that's actually, I think the fact, because I had forgotten that he really is reacting to what he's observing. Right. That mm-hmm. when he sees people being like at least decent, but like the time on the boat when he kind of goes on that initial rampage, if memory so like when he first comes out, like when uh, he see it's like when he sees um, the uh, wait, I'm brain farting on his name again. Was it Chuck? No, not Chuck. Jed. Right. Jed Grant. The guy's when he's assaulting yeah. the guy's wife. That's when he loses it. Right. So it's all connected for him. And so when he is in that cage, because as again, as we established, he destroys that gate. So the fact that he's so easily able to do that at any point he could have, which means he was, when he was observing things a certain way, he was, again, I go back to, he was evolving at a rapid rate, which implies that he might be some kind of higher being because to, you know, to evolve you know, within right. the one life form. It's not like we're talking about like multiple generational evolution. He just straight up is evolving in real time, whereas he's, he's observing the de-evolution of the humans. And in fact, the one line I wrote down was, uh, I think it was, uh, was it, uh, which by the way, I love the actor's name, Rex Reason. <laughs> was the uh, was the one guy who probably yeah. wasn't a jerk? You know, I'm talking, it's uh, Doctor yeah. Morgan. He was the guy, the only guy that wasn't a jerk. I think in the crew, um, yeah. played by Rex Reason. Uh, he, I think, is the one. I can't remember who said it was that we're all caught between the jungle and the stars. What brings out the best and the worst in us? 
So this idea, especially when you think about like the fifties and how, you know, all, all the movies were trying to create this idea like, Oh, we, you know, with humankind going to the stars and, you know, we're not, you know, it, as this movie comes out, we're less than 15 years away from going to the moon. I mean, all of that stuff's in play by 56 and Sputnik gone up, I think by 56, right. It probably had gone up. So all of that stuff is in play. And I just think it makes this movie even more interesting to realize that as the creature evolved more into his own sense of the best elements of humanity, he realized how futile it was all was and drowned himself in his home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's dark. So yeah. He literally saw the pinnacle of, of what humanity could become and decided that death was better. Was better. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be the bleakest ending we've ever talked about on this podcast. And I loved it. <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. Sometimes dead is better. Oh my gosh. That was really good. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, but but we'll go later on when we really want to kick the ADHD and I'll go on a rant about why my biggest hang up with the newer version of that is Judd, uh, or, um, John Lithgow's accent or lack thereof. Drove right. me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Ashley, what would you rate this movie? Or final thoughts and rating, I guess. Final thoughts. Uh, I should have said this at the first, but my first note on this movie is this bitch is shooting sharks. I already hate her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't like her at all. I yeah. Like, towards, towards like more of her storyline, you got you get a little bit more sympathetic for her or you feel more sympathy for her. But Until uh, she's I, twirling I, around underwater like some goddamn ballerina. I literally wrote, is she doing water ballet? <laughs> Yeah. I wrote that in my notes. Like, what is it's she like, doing? I don't oh, like no attention. Let me go underwater while they're doing their work and like twirl around in their face. To me, she seemed like the kind of girl that isn't a tomboy, but likes to pretend she's a tomboy around guys. Everything about her was cringe. I just. Yeah. She's yeah. like, she's the girl that had something to prove. Which makes the Gilman even more likable because this is the only movie where he doesn't like. <laughs> Yeah, obsess over the the female yeah. lead and go after her. The only yeah, even, one, even he knew like she's not, she's trying. Like. Yeah, she's yeah, <laughs> toxic relationship. He wants no part of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I rate this nine point five out of ten. Creatures throwing abusive husbands off balconies. <laughs> so slightly higher than the second. I wouldn't give it a complete ten, but and uh, by. I because actually you've inspired me. I was leaning towards the nine, but I was back and forth in my head. Nine, nine point five. I'm going nine point five. Rex reasons why <laughs> I love this movie. And is that? I assume that's a buy for both of you guys. Yes. Yep. It's in okay. the set. And like, I cannot get this a nine point five on Letterbox because of their system. But yeah, that five star rating. So like, they don't let you do like quarter stars or whatever do they no no they okay. don't um i give this one an eight out of ten dead mountain lions <laughs> <laughs> um it's my least like i love all the 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 deeper meanings of everything in this movie and the bleak ending really oh it just drives that home i loved it so much um but the way he looked, the way he acted for the greater majority of the movie, I thought was a huge de departure from what he was in the previous two movies. So much so that it became a problem for me. 
Um, but I understand that he needed to act and look that way for the rest of the movie that I love so much to uh, have deeper meaning. So I, it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. I still love this movie. It's just, in my opinion, it's the weaker one of the three. Now, uh, I still say it's a buy. And since this is a trilogy and this is, we, we reviewed all these movies here right now on this episode, I did want to do something a little different. Um, I was hoping that we could all review these movies as they stand in a, in a collective franchise. So not individually, but how would you guys rate the Creature from the Black Lagoon trilogy as a whole? Joel, let's start with you. I'm debating, like, should I add all the numbers together and average it? <laughs> um, I think for me, if it was just the first and the last movie because of the story that that tells, it would be a 10. So I'm going to lean towards a nine. I think it's a nine as a because tr- it's really a trilogy in a sense, right? Because I will say that too. Like so many other horror films and of the universal sequels that I have seen, oftentimes there's very little continuity, mm-hmm. certainly, you know, chronologically speaking. And like the fact that this really does a fairly decent job. The second one picks up after the first one, third one picks yeah. up fairly, you know, I mean, they're all boom, boom, boom. They feel uh, uh, as a whole, which I think is really great. So yeah, I'm going to say, you know, yeah, I'll say nine. A nine for me for the whole shebang. Okay. Ashley? 9.75. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah. You can do it. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. 9.75. Nice. Or should I said nine paralyzed fish? Or- <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Nine bitches shooting sharks. Nine <laughs> bitches shooting sharks. Is that what you want to? Nine point seven five bitches shooting sharks. Uh, I just couldn't believe like you just hear <laughs> you just hear gunshots and then she's like, "Yeah, I just killed two sharks." Like, no, you didn't. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, she's one of those people. Yeah, right. She, I, she, I didn't yeah, like her. yeah. <clears throat> she's trying to, she's trying to like impress everybody. Like, look what I did. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to go nine also nine out of 10 creatures from the black lagoon. In all, we rate this very highly. Absolutely. Like I thought it was really good. Like they really like show you the evolution of like, just what it, like when you're abused, like how your psyche goes from like first of all what's happening to just let me just walk into the sea because i can't take yeah. this any longer and to your point ashley all the different especially in that third film but you could argue all of them really mm-hmm. but certainly the third film is a really great example for all screenwriters storytellers out in the world like if you want to have deeper themes and ideas in your movie Story first, right? Entertain people. Mm-hmm. And then it's not so much about having a message as much as it is you can still layer in these important ideas right. without smashing us over the head with it. Yes. With a, like yeah. with a spear gun. Like- <laughs> That's what I felt that Texas Chainsaw did that really irked me with the gentrification thing. Yeah. And like the school shooting thing. It's like we've not... 
like I don't know if writers and horror movies now are just not they don't know how to be subtle or like even intelligent in the way they they put these themes in the writing it's just out there like preachy to me yeah you know it's interesting and I, I I'm about the ADHD the sun Raul I apologize <laughs> um my reaction normally is a thousand percent with you. Like I, I hate Black Christmas 2019 with a passion because <laughs> heavy handed. Yeah, you because know, it's so heavy handed and it's completely and utterly like such like a a slap to the face of like fans of that that move original movie um, yeah. to make to to the point where it makes like 2006 look amazing uh, to me. Um, but that that movie did the thing you're talking about from my point of view this new movie i actually like i, I feel like you should go back and rewatch it with this attitude they definitely were po- positioning the the younger characters as, as being sort of like you know the kind of things that you would probably go you know, constantly read on twitter or or what have you yeah. but they i almost wonder like was that in intentional because if you think about where things go had they just made it to where they were like a bunch of like mary sue's or whatever the kids call it today where they were all perfect kind of like black christmas 2019 where everyone's perfect on that side of the equation because they screw up and do some stupid crap and you and and they portray some of the other key characters in a not one-dimensional light which would have been super easy to do i think of like Mm -hmm. one person in particular who they meet at the gas station early on yeah, I'm talking about back to our little uh, comment about overcompensating. Like you could have easily made him a one-dimensional, you know, yeehaw kind of guy. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. It was actually like, and that I think because they did my, I guess my standard and my bar is like so low at this point <laughs> that I'm like, the fact that they didn't do that and they actually tried to do something different. I was like, ah. And then also you got, uh, you know, uh, Leatherface on a bus. That's with a, a bunch of point, actually yeah so go back and watch it with i almost because there's so many socially conscious things in it yeah. it almost feels like it's tongue-in-cheek making fun of the of, of doing that now maybe i'm giving them way too much credit i don't know but the fact that you got school shootings in there you got gentrification you got the confederate flag you you've got so yeah. many things as it takes on a level of absurdity and so i took it as they were making fun of that tendency in these without making it super obvious. That's how I now, do it. Now, guys, I I love where this conversation is going. <laughs> but we but need to finish the episode. <laughs> well, not just that, but we're getting dangerously close to spoilers on okay. a movie that is within a year of its release. Okay. So, okay. So cut this out. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know cap off that conversation. No, right fair there. enough, fair enough. I was trying to be careful, but now that you say that, yeah, there were some things in there that, <laughs> that yeah, because I that's I, a good I, perspective on that. I would need to rewatch it and see if I agree. Mm-hmm. I recommend that wholeheartedly. But uh Joel, well, let, let me say one last thing about this sure. okay. franchise real quick. Um, <laughs> a lot of I view this franchise kind of like the Christopher Nolan's no, not. Uh, kind of like a is was it yeah Chris Nolan's yeah Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 where the first one set the stage and was great and it was groundbreaking and amazing and everything Raul I don't mean to cut you off this is your show brother but if you're about to compare Revenge of the Creature to the Dark Knight for the love of God and all that is good and holy <laughs> but. <laughs> I think that the second movie, much like The Dark Knight, <laughs> really built 
more <laughs> on what was previously established in the first movie. And I loved it so much. I thought the stakes were higher. The setting was better. I loved all of it so much. So in my, like it, it starts off good. It gets great. And then it kind of teeters off and gets a little heavy handed. Um, much like, you know, the, Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I would have liked a little bit more <laughs> Creature from the Black Lagoon in the third Creature from the Black Lagoon movie, much like Jay the Dead would have liked a little bit more Batman in Dark Knight Rises. So I'm just saying, like, for me, both trilogies kind of mirror each other, in my opinion. Crucify me if you will. That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I loved having you on the episode. I'm surprised we did not talk more about dicks. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I feel like being that you're 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 driving that my direction implies that I am one, but I can't, I, I can't disagree with that either. So no, because uh, <laughs> when I was on your podcast, it was all about dicks in some Hayek cities. So. Yes, I remember. Yes, there there was a lot of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, boy, I had boy. a lot of fun on retro movie too. <laughs> oh, I can't. I, you're like my secret weapon, Ashley. I'm gonna wait till Peter has lined up a movie that I know he loves, and, and, and though I catch that, of course, is I want you to bring your sincere opinion. But there is a part of me I want to make sure we start it with you just being like, "What in the hell, guys? Why every time you bring me here?" <laughs> That was so funny. Oh, we did amazing. talk about you quite a bit on that episode. Oh, it was amazing. I, it's in my queue right now to listen to when I get back to work next week. That's been our episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Joel, thank you for being on. I love talking movies with you, brother. You fit right in with this ADHD aesthetic we're in, unintentionally cultivating. Yeah. But uh, I, I love talking shop with you, man. You're welcome back on the show any freaking time. Uh, give out any plugs for the listeners that you might have. Where where can they find you? Uh, well, they can, of course, listen to the shenanigans of abs abject stupidity on Retro Movie Geek uh, with uh, Peter and Daryl and myself. Uh, check that out. Tear on the Tube, where Peter also joins me, but we act slightly less stupid because uh, we're joined by Allison, a.k.a. her unicorn. Um, and we talk about, uh, in that show, we talk about TV, made for TV, horror and suspense films from the 70s, 80s, and at least once, we've done it once, the 1990s. Um, and then uh, Werewolf, the TV series, the podcast. I did that with my buddy Hammond uh, a couple years ago, but it's still out there in the world. And of course, Jay of the Dead's new horror movies. I am honored to have been asked to be a part of that. I think they're up to like 82 uh, co-hosts now at this point, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't remember who said it. Watch it end up being one of you, and then I'll feel like a bigger jerk than I usually feel like. Um, but somebody made the comment. I'm sorry, whoever you are, I'm sure you're hearing this. It was me. And they they compared it to like an audio version of Fangoria. Like it was like listening to a horror magazine. I was like, that is, as you would say, Raul, that's rad. That is totally rad. <laughs> that is 100% something that I could get behind. So um, yeah, so definitely check that out as well. Day of the Dead's new horror movies. And that's pretty much it. Awesome. Yeah, That's a I good love description. I don't think either of us said it, but that really no. feels true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, as soon as as soon as I heard it, I was like, yes, that is that is exactly like a magazine. And I love it because there's yeah, I, I, li mm -hmm. I listen to it for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> of course. My my centerfold may or may not be coming out in a month or two, Raul. So 
Oh, don't don't tease if you can't please, baby. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know how I love my dong talk? <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about I hope they don't put the staple in the wrong place, but you know. <laughs> There's like nobody under the age of like what 30, 25. At what age would even get any of the centerfold <laughs> jokes? Oh yeah. my gosh. We're getting well, on up there in age. I, did, I didn't know uh, Joel had a Prince Albert. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And there it is. <laughs> uh, uh, Ashley, give out your links. Plugs. My links. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, PlayStation, Barely Ashley. They're all Barely Ashley. Just Google Barely Ashley, and that's where I'm at. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, I got a comment. I'm on Facebook, stuff. too, but you have to know my last name, which is a secret. I'm just is kidding. It? It's not a secret. <laughs> uh, as far as the show goes, you can follow the show on twitter at into monsters that's in the number two monsters you can follow me personally at raul versus monsters you can follow me on letterbox at into underscore monsters you can also look up our website at headlong into monsters.godaddysites.com you can also email <laughs> us at headlong into monsters at gmail.com uh for some of that listener feedback if you want to have your listener feedbacks uh you know, on the episode, email us or hit us up on Twitter. So that's uh, that's how you can get onto the listener feedback part of the episode. Uh, Ashley, what are we doing for the next episode? I <clears throat> believe the next episode is Tim Burton centered. Yeah. Okay. I got it right this time. <laughs> we will be joined by Wolfman and my child may make an appearance to talk some Tim Burton classics such as Edward Scissorhands, Frankenweenie. Yeah. And yep. Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, or uh, Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, it was one of the Wolfman shows, one of the ones that I, I'm not really that into, so I forgot what it was. I was honestly a little jealous that he chose Sleepy Hollow because I was like, oh, I want to talk about that. I'll but, try I mean, We're still going to talk about it. But- yeah. And also, listeners, I had an idea to where sometime in the near future, if everyone is interested, we would group up on Zoom, sort of like a virtual meetup, and all watch a movie together. And if people are interested in that, we want you to let us know on our Twitter or our email and we will try to schedule something. Yeah, it's going to be like a watch along party and we'll we'll all be able to interact with each other. We'll all be, you know, talking all sorts of commentary about whatever we're watching. We'll just watch the movie at the same time in our respective locations and we'll just interact with each other because we just want to have some fun with you guys. We think it'd be really cool. So, yes, we're thinking about that and it's probably I'm just going to pick Return of the Living Dead every time we do it. Uh, I would expect <laughs> nothing kidding. less of you. Just kidding. <laughs> Return of the Living Dead Part 2. <laughs> yeah. Get that damn screwdriver out <laughs> of my head. <laughs> Gosh, and I will, so I will obviously pick something a little bit more extreme. 
All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, listeners, let us know if you guys would be down for that, and we will make it happen. Um, but that's going to be it for us. Again, thank you for listening, and please join us next time as we dive headlong into monsters. Bye. But Joel, thank you for being here. Uh, I am going to edit that part out. Um, (laughs) Anyway. So this is off topic again, but the university I work at, we... Yeah, sorry. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm sorry for burping right into the microphone there. Didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Um, um well guys that's been our episode oh there it is i heard that one yummy i'm sorry (laughs)